Marlo, you, I will, I will introduce Marlo. I will not introduce. I'll get get that in as as the thing why we are doing this episode. Jo bhi ho, that's fine. No issue. Audio is yeah. fine, right? Audio is fine, and even Monica or my darling might get a reference here or two. Mad ghusa ho se please. I forgot that you'll say this. Anyway, keep it classy. Keep it classy. Let's Johnny just keep it classy. That's yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. that's better. Good. प्लेस uh on a week when some all of us are free or have time to just go go through it because they are pretty big topics i feel like i think they require preparation and it's better to come sort of you know with knowledge of the genre knowledge of also whatever secret, i mean yeah also secret we we all even if the genres or the things is select we love these yes. to talk about these so we don't just want to you know be glib about it and just yep. go off on a tangent or something like that we want to yes. stay within the purview of the genre we, yes. we talk about so the, the person who has just spoken you know the voice he is i mean if you're a quid listener you definitely know it uh, so avartya is the one who initiated this topic so just to put that out there more than say that oh i am initiating it avartya is the one who suggested this he's also suggested other topics uh, which we will get to soon hopefully Uh, i would love to yes it's always hopefully <laughs> and the other guest we have is a returning guest who just came two episodes back i think with the fablemans uh, this is varun bhake correct pronunciation varun this time absolutely yes okay yes. yes good okay so varun himself is writing a paper on noir if i'm not wrong right yeah okay yeah. so and that this is my bad introduction in that i have revealed noir in this sort of horrible way but mm. anyways our topic for today is film noir more so i would say classic film noir like our the films we have selected have are sort of i mean they range from 1930s to 1950 like at the edge of the 1950 but i know amartya has done extra research also so he will be bringing in other like the different forms of noirs and i mean noir isn't something uh which is we will talk about we will talk about okay we will uh, talk about this anyways yeah. the I, the idea is that we want to sort of talk about film noir in general and then mm-hmm. we want to also get into sort of specific films which is the thing we do like if you have listened to our previous episodes uh on this sort of like you know comprehensive sort of cinema movements we've done but in this one we kind of just want to focus on three films three different types three different countries three different languages uh so it's very much we are looking at m by fritz lang released 1931 mm-hmm. uh then we are going to look at double indemnity director billy wilder 1944 and then stray dog by akira kurosawa 1949 so amartya do you want to take off just start with what is film noir in general when did you get introduced no. maybe those are sort of yes no I I just wanted to make something clear here that why mm-hmm. did we choose these three movies? That's what yes. I want to be very clear on. So, I think I think we chose M because there is a term called a proto noir because mm-hmm. 
noir sources are mainly based on german expressionism and uh, since varun is writing a paper correct me put addendums on my statements whenever you can because it will help okay. i'm not writing a paper on film noir so no I'm no but so add but but feel free to add i okay. want to know more yeah. okay that's all i'm saying so the 1930s during that time because german expressionism was such a huge movement during the 1910s and 20s mm-hmm. and plus because it's the 30s nazism was a thing at that point so many film many artists in germany emigrated yes and they were involved in that movement yeah so when m came out m's entire perspective was it looked different it was yep. also a part of the sound movement yes because at that point sound was becoming a thing mm-hmm. and also watch babylon to understand how sound became a thing but sound was what a, a thing what a weird plug what okay right yeah yeah just saying yeah, okay. so sound became a thing after that point and yeah. m was one of the first movies to show us a very cynical outlook yeah and this is and this is why we wanted to touch on him because that was the first time we came to understand what a noir could actually look like sound like or feel like that was the first inkling yeah. noir didn't come noir didn't crystallize until much later it didn't noir, become like like the whole, it's not that of course a lot of this happens in general where international cinema yeah. movement sort of gets mainstreamed into hollywood in some way or the mm-hmm. other and i think whatever amartya mm-hmm. saying about the emigration of a lot of german directors and all even cinematographers i think when they moved mm. uh to hollywood that style mm. came back and it was also i i don't mm-hmm. know how much of there is how much of truth is it in is there in this but like they were both marked at least later on in hollywood this is marked by a lot of sort of post war sentiment and that was also the case with german expressionism i know i've read a little bit about german expressionism yeah, where yeah. it's to do with the psychology are, of the people uh, at that mm-hmm. point in time post world war 1 at least uh, in the case yeah, of yeah, germany yeah. so yeah. yes so that so 30s and plus the post war post war sentiments and everything plus there is also the great depression angle we will get it yes but yes. but the 45 movie i chose because this is the peak yes. of the noir noir became its peak during the 40s to the 50s end yep. of the 50s from the start of the 40s to the end of the 50s noir was one of the defining genres one of the most popular genres mm-hmm. to the extent that even independent studios were making b pictures all on noirs yeah which by the way packed a lot more punch than those a film noirs just <laughs> so yeah you can list some of them they are very good. i mean i've only seen a couple of them but i know that they're very good i am also i am also getting into this but yep. all i'm saying so the 40s we mean i i had to make a decision on which movie to choose because the 40s you had to make a decision on which movies to leave amartya come on you yeah. have to plug decision to leave here more uh, than babylon okay. <laughs> so it's like i had to choose here and my choice came down to two movies mm. two of the most popular movies two of the most famous movies of the film genre i think out of the three most famous movies these are the two most famous one is double indemnity by billy wilder the other mm-hmm. is out of the past by jack tormey mm-hmm. why that is because both of these movies are kind of extremely influential and also work as kind of the greatest hits of the entire genre itself mm-hmm. especially yeah. out of the past 
because out of the passes all of the trademarks you can think about got it mm-hmm. so and then i chose double indemnity because let's face it that movie is a lot of fun so it is yes why stray dog i'm very curious about that so this is a genre which soon shifted to mm-hmm. other countries it shifted mm-hmm. to france it shifted to france because jules dassin yes if people who haven't seen french movies i will highly recommend i'll highly recommend watching jules dassin movies because those are the most accessible to a couple of people so jules dassin was actually more based around in us he was making yes. noir mm-hmm. so when he was finally blacklisted from hollywood he shifted to france mm-hmm. and he brought the noir sensibility over there mm-hmm. one of the most famous noirs famous noirs of the 50s was rififi yes anybody has seen rififi watch rififi unfortunately haven't but i do want to see it bloody amazing movie yeah then we have la samurai john pierre yes. melville, melville god yes god serious yes. god that is another amazing movie but yep. that was one of the first inclinations at this genre which is again very quintessentially an american genre yeah is mutable enough that it can transition yeah. to other countries as well yeah plus we were also in the middle of a war yeah or we are getting out of a war so we already had post war sentiments or the middle of the war sentiments and mm. any sort of a sentiment rising from a conflict breeds ample amount of cynicism ample amount of political unrest ample amount yeah. of turmoil that that's the reason we selected this topic basically yes ample because we are all turmoil. cynical more yes, ones right more or less yes yes yeah <laughs> and we also and i used to be and i used to drink a lot so there you go <laughs> <laughs> but stray dog why i chose this mm-hmm. is because out of the second world war one of the horrific wars of the last couple of the last mm-hmm. say decades yeah the two countries out of many countries who were affected mm-hmm. japan was the most affected out of so it's interesting to see what a post war sentiment of japan would always look like and yep. the fact that kurosawa chose a noir yeah to get into what a post war japan actually looks like was very interesting to me yep. because on the one hand it is extremely cynical on the other hand because it is japan it was going to be very 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 impactful yes yeah no no very much yeah. agree. i mean i know the like i asked this as a question because i know there is a very clear reason why you said like when i watched it this is the first time i watched stray dog at least so i knew instantly why the selection was made and i was like oh amartya selected very well as i say a lot of times when 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 we are doing these episodes yeah but, you sound uh, surprised that is that was a surprise no no i wasn't surprised no no, no. as in like <laughs> there are so many i think that's the big big thing right like there's oh, so yeah, many yeah, options there's yeah. so many so it's like making a selection out of whatever a lot of films and i mean I, yeah. i don't know which which ones you could actually i mean of course we are missing i mean so i posted this on instagram and someone had messaged me saying that i hope you're covering third man i'm like shit we forgot third man which is also a big big film which to, is yes. to that to that person don't worry i'm here i'll touch <laughs> also sort of stray dog yes. works as if, if i may make the connection stray dog is about a country like amartya pointed out in a post war situation Yeah. Third yeah. Man is precisely the same thing. Mm-hmm. It might have a completely different plot, mm-hmm. but it's it is also about Austria in the immediate aftermath of the Second World War. It's also it's such an interestingly world-built 
it's also an interesting world building because Vienna is the typical example of a country stuck in a war, stuck mm-hmm. post-war. The con- the city itself is divided into divisions, sectors, yeah. yes. sectors occupied by different factions of the war, and mm-hmm. that's where the espionage, the noir, all of it works. Yeah. Yeah. The noir sensibility again, how mutable an American genre becomes because yeah. this shifted to Britain. Yes. Third man is British noir. Is a British. Yeah. No, no, it's like that. That's the, I think one of the big things, I mean, at least I was, I've written some bits in my like previous school assignments about film. No, I mean, I wrote about White Heat, which is kind of your B noir, uh, almost like also, teetering also on your, B. Also, also one of your biggest inspirations for Bombay Velvet. Yes, about. we were just talking about it. And yeah, of course, the mutability comes into play. Like I was about to say that film noir also longevity like it's just because it's marked more by you know attitude and tone and yes. style and not by you know like a unified movement of like certain filmmakers mm-hmm. i think it's able to like i mean i right now would would it be a bad thing to like it would it would actually be pretty appropriate to have a resurgence in many senses of noir of that i mean you get a lot of paranoid thrillers now in many senses yes. but like you don't sort of get the typical noir but you can get that style in many films i feel and i mean some of them couldn't be playful like we we, we were discussing johnny gadar like they are more playful mm-hmm. with it and you know how they sort of use that template and then play around with it but like then i guess there are examples also of like really serious brooding noir like i mean to some extent, mm-hmm. recent Paul Schrader, like I have to evoke him because he's actually written something. I know he's gone a bit senile in real life, but uh, like yeah, uh, but he wrote face, one of the definitive books. Yes, exactly, and 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 I think his his output is pretty good, like in terms of what how he defines and describes the noir. And I think it's interesting to see how mutable and how how much it can translate in so many different. It's more mutable. It's more mutable yeah. than the Western genre, which is again oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. American genre. But it is more, much more mutable than the Western genre, which is saying yeah. something. I but think in in recent times, at least, and okay, recent. If there's anybody who's listening to this podcast, who's born like around two thousand four or five, to, for twenty year olds and above, even ten years ago is recent. So twenty fourteen <laughs> Nightcrawler, right? It's yes. got that cynicism you need. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got absolutely, and it's got that biting sort of nature of how cruel the world yes. can be. Yeah, only it's, it's there's an apathy. There's a, there, yeah. there used to be an apathy towards towards mm-hmm. the think, world. And there, there's that great scene right at the uh, when spoiler for Nightcrawler. Are we allowed mm-hmm. to spoilers? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. This is whole spoilers. Yeah, okay. This is no. Spoiler I mean, for... we, the only film we can probably not spoil is Monica or my darling. But I guess yeah. That's, yeah. So spoil spoiler for Nightcrawler when Rizamad is dying, right? Yes. Yeah. And Jake Gyllenhaal is there, and it's yeah. just. It tells you exactly how sort of difficult things have become, yeah. and also I don't know whether it qualifies, but Zodiac to me, uh-huh. it's very, it Zodiac detective. is absolutely one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, is. but but those but the ones you are talking about, Varun, those are neo noir. Neo noir. I would yes. still say those that all neo noirs. Neo noir, but I feel like also the neo noir runner has sort of started to cater more to the. Oh, let's be a little funny also. So Shane mm. Black goes and does a nice guys kind of situation, yeah. which is 
more a comedy than a neo noir yeah. film might have mm-hmm. which okay, is good no yeah. but this is a good good point because i think what we are talking about will not have that i think i think yeah, a lot of i mean double indemnity does a little has that dark humor that's just wilder i think ha huh, yeah. that's what i was and and then but the other two are like steeped in like yeah. pitch like m has no sense of humor yeah. i think and it's a, m, it's for the m better m is not supposed to be humor a set at all and it is straight dog i think straight dog is pretty no, no, straight serious straight dog is not supposed to be humor yeah. no straight yeah. dog has its i thought it had its it has its quirks interesting yes. moments right because yeah. the it, basic premise because the basic premise of straight dog is very yes. funny it's seven <laughs> Yes, seven, and, seven and seven post post war era yes, yes. Uh, also yeah. i think if if i can jump in on him over here because we yeah. were discussing some time ago amartya talked about elroy and said i'm a, yeah. i appear to be a fan i'm a yes. bigger fan of philip car actually the scottish writer who wrote this mm. 14 series novel on this guy called bernie gunther mm-hmm. in yes. thir- 20s 30s and 40s germany so mm-hmm. the interesting thing about that i sort of gleaned from those novels Mm-hmm. is that a noir is naturally an offshoot of the first world war mm-hmm. but the wall street crash of 29 i think mm-hmm. has perhaps the yeah. greatest impact the great suddenly, the great depression the, the beginning great... of the depression right yeah. Yeah. suddenly everybody is almost everybody is poor yes yes right and you see it echoed even now like again you're talking about babylon berlin some time ago and there's a character who who is put in a lot of money in germany was one of the worst affected countries outside of you know Mm-hmm. Uh, the true west so to speak mm-hmm. on the continent especially because so many people were riding hard on that american investment that when yep. it just plummeted i think 6 million reich marks or something was the cost of very basic amenity it was, it was huge it was yeah. huge inflation it's was still, just it's insane. still a hot debate it's still a hot debate as to what exactly caused it you know there are scholars mm-hmm. and historians who are still trying to figure out what figure it exactly up, caused yeah. it yeah because mm-hmm. unlike unlike the 2008 crash which you could yes. easily attribute to things yeah it isn't everything is so crystal clear and people yes. had time to hide stuff like yeah. the, like there was a law passed i think it was called the smooth what was the other guy's name anyway that law was meant to protect american citizens from events like the depression mm. it actually contributed to the depression mm-hmm. it's yeah. all compounded one of the bigger one recommendation i will give for people who are interested in understanding what happened to american society after the depression is the grapes of wrath oh yes mm. terrific uh, terrific film, terrific book or yeah, yeah. terrific book terrific yeah. film by ford is, i mean john ford sorry yeah, just john, to, yeah i'm yeah, saying john ford like is my friend yes which is and it's so strange right that he made which what is obviously a very socialist leaning film when ford yeah. was so obviously a republican and spent yes. most of his working life with perhaps the biggest uh, of all time. to work in hollywood <laughs> at the time john yes. wayne john wayne yes. yes yes and but what i was talking about m was uh, i think it also didn't have the opportunity to be even slightly funny is because one of its direct inspirations was peter kyoten the mm-hmm. monster of dusseldorf right yes. mm-hmm. and kyoten was nuts that guy was absolutely certifiably there was some, some issue and at that time i think germany still executed by beheading so yeah yeah corporal punishment corporal punishment was a yeah. thing completely mm-hmm. uh, so and that kind of thing had become so crime was becoming so rampant and we are seeing it now which is why when you talk about you know why is noir not becoming popular why are people talking about the resurgence of the bloody romcom instead of talking <laughs> because about, they know, want escapism yeah, i will, i will 
I'll give I'll give I'll give an answer to that. I don't think Noah needs to be popular. I think Noah mm. always exists. Yeah, it's yeah, it mutates in different forms, and I think it whatever. mutates in different forms. It yeah. yeah. always existed. That's that's again another reason why I won't like to call Noah as a genre person. Huh. Style becomes so mutable. It's yeah, it has style. become a style. Yeah, yeah. Mm. it has become more of a style. And yeah. but to be to be honest, there I mean it was technically always a style. Uh-huh. It was always yeah, yeah, supposed yeah. to be about the way you had shot a film. Short, and now you yeah. I was about to say like before we uh, it's always don't do much. Uh, in French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. always like yeah, it's always like you can understand that it's a style. But when a style becomes so popular that yes. people are making more and more movies about it, it crystallizes into a genre. Absolutely. It's a similar yeah. thing as to what happens that when a movie is so influential, the basic premise becomes a complete joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing there. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. No, but I, 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 I was, I was <laughs> about. To, <laughs> I was about to. What? I mean, I can't believe Babylon and Bahubali have come into this. But anyways, I was saying that uh, before we sort of delve deep into the films themselves, like I just want to clarify or like sort of you know have an opinion on what you think are like very typical characteristics of that style because. those sort of are present and i think all three of these films and i feel in a lot of films even neo noirs some of these these are like very much prevalent so if you were to get into that and just the basic characteristics of what contributes a noir film or like the interesting yeah. thing is the interesting thing is i recently took an i recently basically created an assignment for myself <laughs> yes. so that assignment has made me start to explore more of this genre which yeah again this is not homework for me i love this yes. yeah but the exploration of this has made me realize that what i thought were actually crystallized tropes actually weren't mm-hmm. they were so it always is surprising to me some of the things we took for granted mm-hmm. uh, at least i took for granted in the noir so yeah. if i'm going to take a greatest hits approach here yes yeah this is that only we are we are that we are greatest yeah. hits of noir we are not like yeah. Do our podcast. I mean, we can't yeah, yeah. be like in one episode. How much can you do? Yeah, yeah. How much yeah. can you do? Yeah. So the greatest hits approach is number one. The protagonist has to be the protagonist shifted. Okay, here's here's yep. the key thing here. The protagonist always shifted. The protagonist either could be an aging boxer. Yeah. It's always an aging boxer, a blue collar worker. Yeah. Okay. Or It's a private detective. The private detective or an insurance investigator. It came much yes. later. The private detective yeah. or an insurance investigator yeah. because the crimes needed to be investigated. Yeah. At least during the forties. Or the city, right? That's the big thing. I feel like yeah, that's. Yeah, I'm getting yes, to that. I'm yeah, getting to that. Yeah. I'm getting to the protagonist. Then I would be yeah. getting into the city. Yes. It's very urban centric, especially mm-hmm. taking place in alleyways in shadows. Yes. Chiaroscuro is a very big thing. Shadow mm-hmm. and lights play. That's a very yes. big thing. Smoke is a very big thing. A lot of smoke, which was the I a mean, uh, M M has so much smoke. Yeah. I am like, how do they not die of like so much, like just smoking yeah. that much? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Rubia, so. There is a movie. There is a movie called I think it's called The Big Combo, nineteen fifty-five. The mm-hmm. director is not important. The cinematographer John Alton. John Alton. There is a final shot of that movie. Yeah. That movie's final shot of the woman standing straight in the middle of the road. The uh-huh. man looking past her. All of it is encombed in shadow, and the smoke is coming from the side. That uh-huh. is one of the definitive images of noir. Uh-huh. Yeah. John Alton shot it. Uh-huh. It was. It's a 1955 movie. So smoke is very important. Number four, mostly needs to be in black and white. 
much more lower budgeted noirs like the b movie noirs like even mm-hmm. a b movie lore like the hitchhiker mm. those movies did not have voice over got it but voice overs come during the 40s 42 these are generally right? just correct correct me uh, if i'm are these mostly studio films that sort of integrated like uh, all of these are I... more or less studio films very independent films come much later but all of got these it. are very much studio films mm-hmm. so yeah varun sorry go ahead I mean, yeah yeah I think the the narration also owes a fair bit to Raymond Chandler huh. and Ashley Hammond. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Then because in the forties, they start becoming popular in Hollywood, and John Huston, of course, I think has mm-hmm. no John Huston. I think has the first big hit, so to speak, with uh, what, Chandler Maltese? novel, uh, the Maltese Falcon. Yeah, forty-one, forty-one, forty-two. Yeah. Mm. Because hard-boiled fiction became much hard-boiled yeah. fiction became much more popular after the Great Depression because people mm-hmm. were so angry. It's the same problem. It's the same thing we had with the angry young man movement in India. Yeah. Yes. It's the same thing. So yeah. then hard-boiled fiction became popular. People needed a hero to latch on to, right? But the mm-hmm. hero needed to be cynical. The hero didn't need to be a hero's journey type of a hero like a Luke Skywalker. And he and also needed to be flawed. Yes, yes. he don't needed to be flawed. Very, 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 yeah. very, very flawed. Yeah. 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 So from that point on, we got the detective, insurance investigator, and all yes. of that. Yeah. And then, and then, this is the most interesting addition. Mm-hmm. The femme fatale. Yes. Yeah. The femme that's fatale. The, yeah, that's the. Yeah. Now yeah. I was about to say yeah. that is the almost that's like if you say in noir, you expect one. You expect. Right? Kind of yeah. Like that. The femme fatale became the symbol of the, you know, forbidden apple, the mm-hmm. lure, the temptation. Yeah. Interestingly, the femme fatale given much more definition. It started to become more and more prominent after, say, a forty-four, forty-five, mm-hmm. to some degree even forty-six. I think the mm-hmm. killers didn't use her that well, but mm-hmm. double indemnity, Barbara Stanwyck, she became the one of the definitive yes. femme fatales mm-hmm. in a way. But the femme fatale, femme fatale's definition was always a person or a woman who became, who either tried to seduce the investigator, who tried yeah. to you know seduce the investigator for her own ends, mm-hmm. or who tried to distract the investigator while the crime is going on. Yeah, yeah. That was always the job or the. Yeah. marker of the film fatale so interesting Because, i know there's a lot of writing done on the film fatale and how that's i mean it's easy to look at it in one way and say that oh look they were sort of you know it could be villainizing the woman figure it could be taken as yeah it could be taken as villainizing the woman figure villainizing the sexuality villainizing yeah. the sexual promiscuity or whatever the hell yeah. or it could also be taken as a power move that's what because now to, yeah it could yeah. also yeah. be agency right they, agency. They have, yeah it's agency yeah. It's always agency because if you are going to if you are going to show agency like that, just go out with a bang. Why not? And if yeah, you are yeah. going to go out with a bang, just go out with a bang like a. But they couldn't show the bang, right? Because it was Hayes Court. Yes. They couldn't show yes. the bang, and that's why the Hayes Court thing happened. 
I'm proud yeah. of that. But okay, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yes. No, so when when ladies when and gentlemen, this is what I deal with. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what I deal with. Badly with funds. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. So I, I'm I'm more curious about like we've covered the basic this yeah, yeah. noir. I'm I'm curious about when does cop noir become a thing? Like when do we say okay we'll trust the government with this? It's not so the government, I, right? It's a private detective. Huh, no, no, but I think the government becomes a thing. The government point. thing comes, I think, during this uh, post post war, especially. I think at least I was. Yeah. Like, this was during. I think detective story. At least when the I was when I was writing. Okay, in the hardball fiction, right? The hardball fiction. Huh, because but, like uh, the Chandler uh, novels and all of that. Yeah, I think. But they are still Chandler still a private detective. Uh, I think yeah. the post war noir, like till till yeah. your sort of you know, I think your big sleep, which you can probably go and deal with later uh, also. But like, and uh, another another addition also I will have to put in the noir feature. And yeah, let me just put it in, and yeah, then we can talk about it. Yeah, extremely extremely complicated plots. Yes. To, yeah. uh, to sometimes the detriment, to sometimes weirdly, the detriment of the narrative. Yes, but, but again, the complicacy of the plot always become a feature. It never yes. becomes a bug. I mean, if that is part and parcel of that the is part thing. and parcel always. Yeah, because I mean, this is our also defense of decision to leave. So I think this yes. this this is dovetailed into that decision to leave. Another yes. bloody good neo noir. Just yes. putting it out there. Yeah, one of the best. But complicated plots do serve the. Because yeah. the, I was about to say the ones we are, to be yeah, I was about to say we what we watched actually have have much more rigorous like straightforward, straightforward yes. comparatively plots. In any case, I was about to say the cop noir thing is very interesting because uh, I think I was reading up on this where post noir you this comes closer to the B noir almost right where in the 1950s mm-hmm. and all Hollywood was undergoing this whole scare, right? The whole Red Scare was happening yeah, also the in the scare. sense. And then, yes, then yes. the house of uncommon... Un-American activity. Un-American, un-American activity. Yes. So I think a lot what? of the films at that time sort of went for this and this kind of bleeds into the Hayes Code also, which is this governing sort of center, censorship force, which has had been in Hollywood for the longest time. They went for these sort of simplified... They, they, hadn't, they needed to have like a moralizing presence uh for or equalizer for that you know the the confused criminal almost and mm-hmm. then uh it's almost like you know the cop noir needed to be the cop needed to be there to sort of you know rectify whatever the lunacy has been going on Justice. Okay. Uh, yeah so again, and the lunatics so again, were communists yeah. and then the cops were yeah, yeah, supposed yeah. to be the institutional it's whatever. always it's always that it's also yes. like the cop also, cop also came from Again, it's also a very Hitchcockian thing that a person who has been wrongly accused has to solve his own, yes, you know, yes. has to solve his own murder or yes. has to solve the own frame up and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it kind of also evolved from that. Like there's mm-hmm. a 1940s movie called Stranger on the Third Floor. That's it. Mm-hmm. That movie is kind of taken as the first true film noir of mm-hmm. 1940s. Even though I think Rebecca released the same year or I think they lived by Rebecca is 13, 9 no no 40 40, 40. something yeah 40, yeah. 40 something 40 40 yeah. okay 40 <laughs> yeah, 40 yeah. Okay. and they lived by 9 yeah so yeah. those two those two came out in the same year but Stranger on yeah. the Third Floor I think was the first true film noir of the 1940 hmm. to 1959 that's what it yeah. looks like I mean Rebecca also has shades of gothic I think a yeah, lot yeah. more yeah it's yeah. also if you look at the novel it's not got anything to do with noir so uh-huh. yeah yeah exactly the entire Stranger situation. on the Third Floor Stranger on the Third Floor interestingly also stars Peter Lorre good good that's that's our segue
this is Fritz Lang's M, not Joseph Losey's M, which came twenty years later. I don't know how. Which I'm very curious to watch also. Yeah, yeah, now the I'm American remake because yeah. Yeah. Joseph Losey. Has Shredo also been renamed? Remade? In... Because both. M yes. and Double Indemnity have been remade. Shade Dog has also been remade. It was written on the Wikipedia that it was remade as a TV thing. It, it but not. I'm surprised America didn't like not like take it up and remake it uh, in the English. I think this how will you remake Shade? No, you can't remake Shade Dog, na. I just said it no in post-war uh, America. Oh, Amartya, they've done or Robert of Crimes Newman's. Out. Yeah, Robert Nuance. Yeah. I mean, but who, who, but who cares about Nuance? Who cares about Nuance? Exactly, right? Which is yeah, why, yeah. Which, is why something, which is why something like Drisham in Malayalam can be replicated as Drisham in Hindi without yeah. caring for cultural context. Yes, yes. Whatever the film is trying to borrow from. But then again, Drisham is a very different example. Right? You got Drisham into no, a discussion of Nuance. Wow. The I mean, I'm proud. Of the, the, I'm proud of the, the yes, core story of Drisham is basically <laughs> Higashino's devotion of suspects, which is a very quintessentially Japanese story anyway. Hmm. So right. they're just taking the core story and then supplying No, so we had a class on this and which was that entire subplot in Drisham with uh, the police, friends with the police initiative or the police yeah, are yeah, friends yeah, initiative yeah, yeah, yeah. is actually an initiative in Kerala. Uh, but it is not so in Goa. So why are you Taking that cultural that, okay. context out of the place where it is, you know, because yeah. which it talking, is because, yeah, because we are talking about, about yeah, we are talking about no, we are talking about Malayalam film industry who actually gives a shit about putting a cultural context in into all of this. <laughs> Then we are talking about Bollywood, who doesn't yeah. give two shits. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, but America is the same, right? I mean, you're yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, that's my point. Of course. Yeah, of course. yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, mainstream stuff operates more on sort of macro principles than micro, right? So it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We go to M. We had promised to keep this the happiest episode ever recorded. Let's not get bogged down in Bollywood and uh, Hollywood problems. Anyways, listen, first, listen. <laughs> this is about the cynicism. This genre is about cynicism. I'm we were supposed to be color. happy about the <laughs> fact about that we are discussing cynicism, Amartya. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and there is going to be no haze code here, so I'm going to be explicit as M. So there you Why go. We, you've done pretty well till now. Uh, I mean, I don't need to like. Uh, anyways, <laughs> we go to uh, not Hollywood first. We go to uh, the German film industry. Yeah. Or yeah. We, we go to which M. Is, uh, which is also which is also very you know how do I say this very poetic because mm. it's long. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We, who've made long. many noirs for Hollywood also later. So, but this is the sort of uh, this isn't this isn't the beginning of noir. This you can see it as a, the this sort of bridge proto-noir. between. This is proto noir. And German expressionism extension also almost you can yes, yes, yes. believe it as. Yeah, but uh, M is so for people who aren't aware of the film, it's very much like your what first you all, now. First recommend. of all, why first of all, why aren't you? I mean <laughs> some people who are not into international cinema may not, but anyways, it's very much a sort of uh, what you now recognize, I would say, as like a psychological cops and murderer thriller like a, now what has been yeah. ruined and unfortunately unless yes. when david fincher is doing it so yes like a prototypical but very much it's build i think peter law the actor who amartya mentioned who was in stranger what was the film's name stranger on the third floor yes yes so uh, he was he, also in the and he and in the hitchcock man who knew too much you know was it someone the man who knew too much he was in strangers on he yes. became a major character player yeah. in Hollywood later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but he's he's billed as the sort of you know main person in M, but it's not the case, I would say. 
M doesn't have a central character almost, which is, which can be both a frustrating thing and a liberating thing. I think it's liberating, and I think that's what kind of makes it different a little bit from what the Noahs, which we have also come come to sort of you know, which we will talk about uh, next. I think one of the I what I had at least noted in M was this time. This is my second watch of it. Was it's more sociological almost than psychological sometimes. And I find that fascinating about that film. I know, like Amartya has mentioned, how the city itself, the urban setting, is a ma- plays a major role in film Noah. But I feel in M, I really felt the fact that you know more than psychology, he was really going for everyone in the society and like mm-hmm. what their their sort of you know thought not 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 probing that much as much as almost observing and just seeing how. Like I was just shocked by how not shocked, but I was more like moved almost by how pessimistic it was. Like it was really, really awful. <laughs> like awful, like the yeah. movie is great, but the but but the the depiction of everyone there is so terrible that you kind of see almost this desire. Like it's a very mm. like I find it very weird to see it almost as a crossroad between Weimar Germany and. Nazi Germany, right? It's like you're you're so yeah, yeah. so that society itself is so. Uh, it's anger. It's, it's yeah, anger. and it's like you need anger a change, but you also see the yeah. change that is coming, and it's yeah. so depressing to see what is like just being built around there. I feel, but more than social context, let's just get into the film itself. Like, what do you guys think? Uh, I know Amartya is one of your favorites, so it's one of my favorites because number one, it it, it was a talkies. Yes, that's the other thing I was about to say. Yes. To the list, to the listener who is listening to this podcast, let me give you a context here. Can you imagine, for twenty, for twenty years, for ten years, you have been making movies in the silent movie industry, yeah. and then suddenly you get introduced and you are told that you can introduce sound. Yeah. Now, if you are a studio, mm. You are going to use it over and over and over and over because it yeah. is the new thing. Yeah. And then you watch M and you realize the absolute restraint of Lang. Yeah. He's no, not using the sound yeah. until absolutely necessary. Yeah. At the last second, there is a yeah. crowd scene. There is no sound. People are walking in the road. Yeah. Suddenly the car stops. Suddenly a crowd mm. comes. Then the sound bursts. Yeah. No, no, it's very he's much. Telling, it's, it's he's telling yeah. you this is a talkie. I'm going to prove it to you that this is a talkie. You are going to hear hmm. the sound. Hmm. It's very specific sound, though. It like it yes. at, at moments. It's a silent film. At moments, it's a sound film. Like that's the yes. to me at least that was the most fascinating thing on the second watch. Also, like I was just like wondering how much he isolates sound in the film. You know, it's like hmm. attributing it to singular elements. When necessary, that's. Sim- I mean, I missed Amartya Singh after watching it the first time. The first eight minutes of that thing are, ra- like, I genuinely, it's to me the chills down the spine thing happens for me mm-hmm. at least because it's like yeah. the build up to the scene and just each element. Like, there's foreshadowing. There's everything in that scene is done in a way, and then just the suggestion, which is my sort of favorite thing with cinema. I think is, has become at least. It's like suggestion holds so much power uh, rather than you know limitation 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 is always necessary for storytelling yeah the more you don't show 
the more suggestion is to put in i mean it the brings the viewer in, in right like it's just yeah, you, the more you suggestion are, is yeah. put in the more you ask the viewer to engage in it yeah the more you ask the viewer to engage in it the more he becomes involved in it yeah that's That's it's very simple it like it seems very like simple in principle but the way it's executed is so terrific in this like i mean yeah. and then there's the 30 minute section which i feel i can understand why people lose their patience and almost even though i didn't which so one? after the build uh, so the after the build up so the build up is basically showing what this child murderer who's let loose in germany is doing hmm. there's this hmm. 30 minute section where the film basically cuts between like different factions of germany what's happening there and it's basically like you know you're looking at the police the mob yeah. and to the people and he's yeah, intercutting the between the two to, yeah, to yeah. make to a the suggestion people. yes to the people to the people who are was still losing patience and everything yeah just recontextualize yourself and think for a second this is the 30s <laughs> this is the first time they're doing intercut editing yes just think yeah. for yeah. a second yeah This no, is no, the it's. I mean, uh, doing it, yeah. and and it's done so brilliantly. It looks like a modern film. Oh yeah, it's it does. So absolutely. Yeah. It's ed- yeah. it's edited so brilliantly. The fast cut, the intercut, and everything, all of it. He's he's shifting between so many different, you know. Yeah. I mean, of all of the all of the elements that will come into play later in the film also because it's about the whole society, not about sort of you know Peter. It's it, it, yeah. It, it's also about a distinction to be put that you know. There is always a game about the cops and robbers, right? There is yes. a game. The cop yeah. and the criminal will always play a game. But yeah. when something happens that is so inherently evil, yes, that the cops and the robbers game can be forgotten because they are now going to search for something that is a blight to humanity. That's the most basic yes. way you can describe them. But I, I think it's. Uh, I'm sorry, Varun. I'll let get to you after no, this. No. But I'm just going to mention one small thing. Is that I think. it's so telling in the film at least that he makes this uh evident that the reason why the robbers are willing to do this or getting him caught yes. is because they are because they are, the business is being hard because their business has gone down so i mean it's just that yeah. their motivation is explored in that way and i'm just like it's such a and then later of course there's the whole by the way 1931 spoilers for this film uh so please <laughs> It, it's uh, available in you. It's available in YouTube. Very high yes. quality too. Yes. Yeah. So please, please do watch. But but I, the later later in the film also, it's like he's indicting. He's indicting the mob. Also, he's he's indicting the police. It's almost like he doesn't he's know where the solution is. So like I mean, except for the person. He's indicting the society. He's indicting the society itself, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the day, the movie ends with basically a kangaroo court. Yeah. Yeah, because nobody yeah. trusts the government anymore, so it's yeah. a kangaroo court. Yeah, and yeah. for people who don't understand what a kangaroo court is, it's basically you know all of the society, all of society banding together to pass judgment, irrespective of whether the government, yeah. irrespective of law and anything, because yeah. in their mind, what is justice served? In their, I mind, mean, and justice. the head of that justice has committed manslaughter himself three times yes. and has not yes. been indicted yet, and I'm like. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like I mean, yeah. I'm like this is nuts. I mean, yeah, whatever. But yes, Varun, go ahead. Sorry, I've I've babbled on enough because I think this watch of M sort of opened my eyes to a lot of stuff which I generally hadn't noticed before. So yes, go ahead. My experience with M is actually quite different because mm-hmm. I watched it. I think the day lockdown was announced, twenty third of March or something like that. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Pessimism. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> so they walked straight into that. So, uh, yeah. but I remember not really uh, being in love with the film when I finished watching it. Mm-hmm. I liked it enough, mm-hmm. but for some reason, Peter Lorre's acting, for instance, it is naturally of a theater variety, right? Because these were guys who were, who were trained on the theater scene. This is not it's acting. Also, you're used. It's also it's also a silent film. Si- yes. Yeah. It's a silent film so, acting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's far more melodramatic. Yeah, but the filmmaking itself, mm. like, it's prime material for like you know all the video essays on YouTube. Yes, have at. Yes, like, like we were doing. Yes. Because, yes, yeah, because it's um, it's at the same time it's a crime film, it's a detective film, it's a mob yep. film, it's a social drama in some sense, and mm. it's like like you guys were pointing out. Uh, it's about a country. Uh, actually, to me, it's more more about a country that doesn't know what it quite is. Mm. Yes. Because uh, the First World War has essentially defeated yeah. their sense of self as a nation. Yeah. Mm. Now they're about. I think this is M released right after the Nazis got just over one fourth of a majority mm-hmm. in the Reichstag, which I think made them the single largest party mm-hmm. with just twenty five percent of the votes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're hurtling towards a situation which we today know was catastrophic, but at that time was still yeah. unpredictable. You didn't know what was going to happen. And I find that's reflected in the film. Yeah, yeah. It is a very unpredictable film. It's yeah. it doesn't it gives you an identity crisis. Like, you know, what the hell is going on here? That's the best like thing. Said, right? yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm about to say like, like you that's said, the everybody is searching for this guy. Everybody is yeah. searching for this murderer. Yeah, and, and everybody searching, everybody searching tactics is very different. Right? It's very mm-hmm. different, right? It's very, and very different. Yeah. It it uses a great, I think, to make him a child murderer. Yes, is perhaps even better because mm-hmm. you see, by then my reading of history, at least, is such that mm-hmm. if it had been, if he had just been killing adults, mm-hmm. nobody, yeah, would, have be, nobody would have cared. Nobody would have Children. It's also from the same code, you know, which uh, in the 1920s, in the gangster movies also, there is always a very specific code, right? No children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't kill kids. You can't kill kids. Yeah. yeah. I think later they expanded that to women also. No women. Animals. Yes. No women and children. Dogs. Animals, I think, are fair game. Animals yeah. are fair game. Animals are more or less fair game. Unless yeah. you are path, unless you are watching Patal Lok and the dog is the main linchpin of the movie. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It's another spoiler, but so, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, and also I think uh, somewhere to my mind at least this brings mm-hmm. uh, also the instance of the Lindbergh kidnapping in. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that happens across the Atlantic. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep in mind Lindbergh has great German ties. Mm-hmm. And it's it's for, a, for the people who are uninitiated, mm-hmm. uninitiated, please uh, give a brief. Yeah. Message. So Charles Lindbergh was this American pioneer of the modern era. Mm-hmm. I mean, controversial figure, mm-hmm. but okay, uh, pioneer is a pioneer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he made the first solo transatlantic flight as well, yeah. which was documented yeah, yeah, yeah. in a film called The Spirit of St. Louis, directed mm-hmm. by Billy Wilder. Considered this is the Billy Wilder scholar coming in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Considered among his lesser films, I think Jimmy yeah. Stewart played played Lindbergh. Mm-hmm. So in the twenties, uh, the Lin, uh, Lin, the Lindbergh baby was kidnapped. It was called yes. the crime of the century it was mm-hmm. in the papers. It's a case which is still shrouded in much controversy, mm-hmm. opinion, 
it's one of those great american crimes right like mm-hmm. the murder of uh, ron uh, uh, ron goldman and uh, nicole uh, simpson by yeah. supposedly by oj simpson in 94 yeah. or the murder of uh, elizabeth short dis- in 1947 or the disappearance of jimmy hoffa so or the disappearance of jimmy hoffa in the 70s yeah. so it's a cultural landmark almost and it it, it sort of becomes this thing where a child has been taken and i think the child was like one year old or something mm. i think i think you're not far off at all that the leadberg kidnapping played a major role in the story mm-hmm. yeah. i think you hit it bang on Mm-hmm. and lindberg lindberg was so uh, i think i read recently a guardian article about how many children lindberg had fathered in germany like he could essentially form his own village at this point in that country yeah. with the number of kids he had had with german women because he would he would keep coming and he subsequently went on to be a big part of the america first and uh, sort of the Sil- silver fists i think they were called so yeah 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 like that. yeah that was the american the nazi party basically the american nazi champion. party he was a great yeah. champion of Allying with Hitler, which is why Billy Wilder making a biopic on him is so surprising. Yes, there is a fantastic TV show direct made by David Simon, basically exploring an alternate future on that. It's called The Plot Against America. Yeah, based on uh, Philip Roth's novel. Philip Roth's novel. Yeah, fantastic miniseries. Yeah, high recommend. And and the Lindbergh kidnapping also uh, for any film. Uh, yeah. Anybody who's interested in trivia of that kind, mm-hmm. it also apparently influenced. Christopher McQuarrie's writing of the usual suspects. Yes, mm. yes. So yeah, that. But I, I found that to be for some reason I just mm-hmm. thought of Lindbergh when I watched the film. And no, but, no, I, no, no. I think I think you're pretty bang on on that. I think that was one that must that must have been one of the bigger inspirations. Mm-hmm. And but but more generally, I felt like more than being a crime film or, for instance, despite Germany being home to perhaps the most significant. police detective of the 20s and 30s um why am i forgetting his name he's the man who gave us the term serial serial killer uh are yeah yeah ernst genat yes. oh thank you thank you mm-hmm. yeah so genat is for instance not there in the film in any mm-hmm. shape or form in any shape or form yeah. yeah but it's more of it's more of a so- social drama almost to me that yeah, you know, yeah. the the kangaroo court at the end and how this man is very vehemently sort of you know convinced that it's but society is done yeah so the question arises because this is a social message movie and everything because mm-hmm. that's what it is why are we discussing it in a discussion which is involving noir i think i mean it biggest, is uh, i was about to say i think the biggest okay. question biggest answer is first of all the cynicism yeah the anger at society itself yeah how realistically he's choosing to portray both the you know light mm-hmm. and the dark aspects of the society like the cops and the criminals both of yeah. them are joining together yeah and both of them are joining together for their own motivations there is no yeah. you know for the good of yeah, the yeah, world or anything yeah. like that no, no. yeah 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 it has never been that and yeah and finally the kangaroo court of it all yeah the kangaroo court of it all is also very much a noir sensibility because especially at the end when the woman breaks the fourth wall yes All of you which are again, yes, yes yeah. which again completely lends lends credence to Varun's Varun's theory that mm. it is based on the Lindbergh being kidnapped. Mm-hmm. That last mm. line, we should protect mm. our children. Yes. Wow! You just you yes. just basically <laughs> opened my eyes again. Wow! <laughs> There you go. <laughs> There you go. Uh, that's why that's why that last line was included. Of course, that yeah. is why. Yeah. 
I mean, I also think, but even like shooting style, right? A lot of, I mean, I've, I don't know if this is his, I mean, we discussed the silent, the proto, silent this is sound This the first proto-procedural procedural huh. movie because this is yeah. the movie in which all of the, you know, typical television detective yes. movie styles. It's like step and, by know, step, almost. Step by step, all the beats you think about. Fingerprints, yeah. you yes. know, discussion. Yeah. What are the what are I mean, yeah. what are the steps to make a movie like this from a yes. movie perspective? What yeah. to do in a screenplay? All of yeah. this more or less comes and crystal and crystallizes from him. Yeah. I mean, do you? I'm not. I've seen only a bunch of other Fritz Lang, but there's so many times I was like, the, I, he uses the shot where you know the camera is almost top down, like the yes. it's a high angle. It's looking no, down on them inside the building, inside the yes. building below. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. it's like his master shot for so many of them. It's like it's Possibly. observation almost, like you know, you don't get. Short reverse shots, like you get get them, but you don't get them as much. But you almost get like this expanded view of the world, yeah. which which is sort of it's almost sometimes it almost feels like the killer is looking, but then a lot of times it's not. Even it's a very and, it's a very and, and, and you are and you are wondering whether the killer is looking or not because he holds onto the shot for a while. Ah, and exactly. Yeah. Whether the killer is looking at that. Yeah. No, and yeah. it's it's brilliant because a he's making use of his limitations terrifically. Yeah. Yes. Because you don't have any of the, you know, complicated rigs that you can yeah. set up. And a lot of tracking camera. shots also actually in this. I yeah. forgot yeah. like the, yes. Which is, which is bloody yeah. surprising by the way. Yeah. Yeah. All of this is like, yeah. 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 I mean, the innovation, <laughs> yeah. innovation wise, it's, I mean, of course, but I do think like maybe the, uh, more than the first time, this time, I think I was really moved no, no, no. by it i would want to say yeah. yeah moved by moved by just how cynical it is i guess this is this yeah. is the type of thing that moves me now rather than you know uh i don't know i mean uh, like happy you were also, you were also, <laughs> moved, you you were also moved by decision to leave so we were i mean i by... i was also moved by woman talking so yes oh yeah <laughs> no and also i think it doesn't it sets the template for noir of not giving you uh, an easy way out. An easy yeah, way out, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. yeah. Too I many movies end on that, right? That, that, that people yeah, I mean, uh, Hollywood the will, or... yeah, yeah, we'll come to Hollywood. Then again, anyway. Yeah, but, then again, yeah, but then again, it's like, I think the Hayes Code was introduced because they wanted to give a happy ending. Uh-huh, we, yeah, because yeah, you had knowing no, people. Society's <laughs> sort of thing was... <laughs> Like nobody is happy, people are dying. Weren't there people in like Oklahoma who are eating dirt or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Story, right? No, no, they but have like the also, fake happy endings, no, which is the interesting part that, of a lot of the films, which but yeah. that's also the thing, right? Because studios expected that people wanted escapism, that's yeah. why yeah. they were picking more and more happy ending. But mm. the audience wanted a reflection yeah. of their reflection exactly, so relativity. I mean, I, no, I don't so, think M did that well when it released, at least, at least no. critically. Even I'm, I'm guessing it would be a pretty, pretty much of a shock for a lot of people, also, right? Because also, because it's, so, it's long after Metropolis, right? So yes. People were like, you went from that to this. Oh, yes, oh. yes, yes, yes. I mean, to be fair, even after watching both those two back to back, that was my reaction also. You went from that to this. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like I, the the happy ending thing brought me to like I think something that uh, borrows. A fair bit from uh, M, in fact, Babylon Berlin. Yes. Uh, because Germany, Berlin, same mm-hmm. time period. And stylistically, like, it's got a, the tones, even though it's shot obviously in color and by film mm-hmm. television and all that. That does this happy ending 
it almost teases you with it because television allows you to do seasons right so yeah, yeah. it gives you a happy ending at the end of the first season and then comes right back in the second and sucker punches you <laughs> and you know like oh god damn i forgot this was some form yeah. of noir yeah because yeah. it's supposed to lead up to that and just i i love the fact that it when it could have it chose not to give you that easy way out he's yeah. being confrontational even as a killer there's no remorse so to speak Yeah. yeah i mean i Whatever was about to say we is... haven't i'm surprised we talked about him and not mentioned the iconic whistling uh oh, yeah. the peter yeah. lowe's uh, i mean it is whistling. peter lowe's iconic whistling of yeah. in yeah. the hall of Which the mountain is... king is that it? yeah the hall Which of is... the mountain king i had to search for it on my Same. instagram story when i had seen the movie i yeah. i literally put the hall of the mountain king as the sound yeah, yeah. which is again, almost as iconic as that uh, Uh, instrument that plays repeatedly in Carol Reed's Birdman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it also it also barely you know it's hardly used. Uh, the whistling actually is only used twice or thrice, very sparingly. It's not like a oh he's whistling all the way through. It's, And I, it's oh, sort of like. I'm sorry, sorry. No, I was just saying, and it's very interesting. This time I was watching. I was like the whistling transfers onto the mob. like that's the first thing that they do when they see him to get him caught and i was like that's a very interesting way of almost like you know he's kind of equating a lot of yeah. the people yeah. and like around there and i think it's very interesting how how he shifts focus to the whistling there that that's uh, part in use of something which then leaves an impact on the viewer yes, is very exactly. interesting because yeah. so many films do it so well like you come out of silence of the land thinking yes. oh anthony hopkins was so great but he's yeah. only there for what 20 he's minutes he's only there for 20 minutes yeah Yeah. You 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 won't think that of the film because it's the impact of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So which is which again, is a lesson that should be learned, I think, <laughs> nowadays yes. especially because nowadays yes. people have the resources to actually use or overuse stuff. I think it's best sometimes to you know just and I'm not saying every film should be used restrained. Some some of them probably do benefit Inquiry. from excess, but like pull back sometimes just because it helps. like allow the other the audience to crave it like if you keep on supplying something then you the yeah. audience will just be bored right so but i'm wondering now because amartya mentioned the entire thing with sound whether hmm. keeping the whistling down to a limited number of you know yeah. um, frames or reels or whatever you want to call yeah. it was as much uh, you know a decision about okay i'm going to use sound in a certain way Yeah. As much as it was part of the narrative that okay, only going to hear it thrice. No, no. Ha, I, like, I, 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 yeah. I will definitely say that it was a stylish. I mean, it was a definite choice because again, mm. notice how he uses the sound very sparingly itself in all mm. of those. You know, like it's sound. It's the talkies. You can yeah. put. You have to put sound. It's almost the time where transitions complete. So it's not like the yes. beginning. Yeah. So everybody has gone to. Yeah. Everybody has yeah. gone to. So, so the yeah. fact that he's. choosing to use sound at very specific moments kind yeah. of showed that it was a stylistic choice yeah. the whistling whistling was used it, now i got it the whistling mm. was used in place of intertitles yes okay mm. yeah, yeah it's inter intertitle now the man entered yeah, yeah. whistling yeah shoes banging on the pave walk yeah. that would have been the intertitle instead yeah. he's just using the whistling It's the yeah. same thing because and, because and in a it, silent movie, in a silent exactly. movie, you would have shot the feet. Yeah, you would have shot exactly. at the feet. And yeah. I mean the the other thing which which we had discussed, like the fact that a lot of times the normal actions don't have sounds, like people walking, people 
putting their yeah, glasses exactly. down on the table exactly. Exactly. all those things don't have sound but no, this no. has sound so like it's almost he is consciously doing it i think like it's, there's no it's very much he wants to create that impact of sound he wants from to create that. an atmosphere he wants to create yeah. an atmosphere which is what so, i mean i was i was a bit like blown away this time i was like wow like imagine thinking of this in like 1930s and like now and now i watch to chuti mein makkar where the background score is bubbling <laughs> me every two seconds anyways the you were blaming to... you were blaming me and varun <laughs> bahubali and हिस्टोरिकली लो Yes, I think so. that's what somebody told me at least. Then yeah. again, Scandinavian noir is a thing. Noir is a thing, right? Because yeah. which surprising, you yeah. couldn't for the same reasons for it's ra- or rather for. No, Scandinavian noir noir is a bit like blue velvet almost. Like it's like you the the sort of prettified postcard sort of image of the country, and then the underbelly. But there's always going to be violence, sur- right? Yeah. So. It's more. I don't think it's pretty surprising. It's the violence. I I think it's more of the impact, right? For a country, for a series of countries in which the crime rate is very low, the crime rate hmm. occurs is explicitly, no. viscerally violent. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Which is why, which is why, murder in America became such a thing in the twentieth century because they hmm. just weren't used to hmm. that kind of thing happening so blatantly, right? So yeah. blatantly. You you look at a crime crime like uh, I hate to keep going back to it, but how Elizabeth Short was found hmm. in Los Angeles, right? Her body had been severed in the middle and. Yeah. blood had been drained out so you were looking yeah. at very systematic very systematic of, way of killing yeah way of, way of killing people yeah so but again we, like i i know you're mentioning this but it's i was just thinking about how and we are transitioning which is why i'm saying this uh yeah. is the fact that none of the films we have watched actually have that much on screen violence i mean i know some of them some of it's a limitation of uh, the fact that you can't show it you in the case of it. double indemnity i think mm-hmm. uh, but in the case of stray dog even i can't remember it is it feels violent sometimes but i don't i don't think it is vile like quote and quote it is not that violent no it yeah. feels more rough it feels more yeah. you know Sort of... I think Rashomon that comes a year later still has a big, a more rough edge, a rougher edge to it almost. Again, this was me. my first Kurosawa, so I, I can't. You have no. a lot to discover. No. Have a lot no. to discover. Stray yeah. Dog is a first Kurosawa. Yeah, yeah. But it's not a bad. I didn't realize it's one no, of his no, first, like one no, of no, his earlier really films. Actually, yeah, yeah. But not. We are not going to Stray Dog. We are going to Double Indemnity. Yeah. We are going chronologically. We are going chronologically. Okay, yeah. so. Los Angeles, July sixteenth, nineteen thirty-eight. Dear Keys, suppose you'll call this a confession when you hear it. Well, I don't like the word confession. I just want to set you right about something you couldn't see because it was smack up against your nose. You think you're such a hot potato as a claims manager, such a wolf on a phony claim. Maybe you are. But let's take a look at that Dietrichson claim. Accident and double indemnity. 
You were pretty good in there for a while, Keys. You said it wasn't an accident. Check. You said it wasn't suicide. Check. You said it was murder. Check. You thought you had a cold, didn't you? All wrapped up in tissue paper with pink ribbons around it. It was perfect. Except it wasn't because you made one mistake. Just one little mistake. Double indemnity, guys. Billy Wilder, 1944. Hayes Code, everything is going on. War is going yeah, on. Yeah, putting it out there right now, greatest filmmaker of his time and probably the greatest screenwriter to ever live. Yes. I I'm not going to disagree with that at all. I will guy also not disagree prolific. but I will the guy the only, was a prolific the only thing I'll say is yeah. I was surprised that this watch I was a little detached which is a weird thing to say and I wasn't in the first watch from uh, double indemnity. Anyways okay, so but that's that's a minor complaint i love whatever i've seen from him and i will let you guys roll with this because i think you both are bigger experts on billy wilder so yes go ahead i'm not a bigger expert on billy wilder per se i think um, if i have to put a expertise tag on it it's like okay so double indemnity comes out 44 44 yeah, yeah. we are 4 years in into the noir noir yes. being a legitimate casablanca thing. came before this right थिंग Noir has been anti-studio, and the first impression no. I have when you say Casablanca is the Warner Brothers logo, and Jack <laughs> Warner's name is written there for like, no. <laughs> you are telling Casablanca is the primary no, example of Casablanca is the primary example of a movie which proves that the studio making actually works. Mm. That is uh, the Michael primary Curtis. example. Michael yeah. Curtis. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that is the primary example of studio making actually working. That is the one example every studio brings up to a director. But Warner Brothers did the gangster films right before uh, in the thirties. Yeah. So I think this naturally yeah. with uh, Howard Hawks and yeah, other yeah. people yeah. also like a lot Scarface. of Scarface. Melvin, Scarface was there. Elroy. Scarface was thirty. Uh, Scarface was I think forty. No, thirty-two. No, thirty-two. Oh, no. uh, before. Okay. 32. Okay. Yeah, yeah, before, before. It was James like, Cagney was the Warner Brother guy, right? Yeah, Jim Cagney. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and then also the Billy Wilder guy. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. So yeah. let's put this. Let's put this out there. Forty-four, double indemnity comes out. So film noir by that time started to be because the mid nineteen thirties used to be the pre-code era. By mm-hmm. code, I mean the Hayes code. Mm-hmm. If you look at movies in the pre-code era, those those focused on women being very, you know. liberated mm-hmm. sexually liberated very open women like open people like there mm-hmm. were films which dealt with polygamy if i'm not mm-hmm. wrong there were films like that so mm-hmm. all the people, i mean they didn't show are, it but there's like yes they didn't show yeah. it but it was there yeah. like criterion channel i think is currently running a pre code paramount pictures ka i think mm. five movie five movie series yep. so mm. if you want you can check those out so criterion sponsor please yes yeah yes mm. so but end of the pre-code era after the mid 1930s mm. th- this becomes a thing that 
portrayals of women of kind of sort of questionable character yes. that started to become a thing after the peak order ended mm-hmm. it started with it started with if i'm not wrong i think it more or less the singular movie in all of this was double indian movie mm-hmm. 44 Then uncle it, paul yeah. just to mention uncle paul this is paul shredo uh, which yeah. is what i'm going to call him from now because he's seen he's it. an uncle uh, so yeah i mean yes not uncle paul was some movie <laughs> no, no 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 he, there will be a movie on him someday no no uncle paul says that double indemnity is almost a bridge between early noir and the post war yes post war noir yes Yes. Yeah, because the war is almost won, right? By the time yeah. double indemnity comes. Forty-four, forty-four. Yeah, forty-four. What? No, but what part of your range is check? So my statement should be historically accurate. <laughs> yeah, like the because the femme fatale, the mm-hmm. the you know the relationship of the femme fatale with the private eye was a thing. Yes. Nineteen forty-one with Maltese Falcon. Then we mm-hmm. had Murder My Sweet. Mm-hmm. Murder My Sweet. Then we have Out of the Past came later. Anyway, so mm-hmm. you get the idea. but double indemnity was the movie be- mm-hmm. directed by billy wilder which kind of basically put the mold of what a femme fatale should be yeah and one of the primary things i remember about double indemnity more than the fact that it is a noir is the dialogues holy hell the dialogues yes the dialogue writing is insane in this movie it's I've... insane especially it's edward insane. g uh, robinson and barbara stanwyck both of their uh dialogue separately from each other like in in their conversations with the protagonist they are absolutely like the i think at one point uh our protagonist walter neff played by fred mcmurray uh again fred mcmurray in a role completely yes. completely different to roles he had played in the past yes. all the roles fred mcmurray had played in the past were family men harried fathers and all that stuff yeah Yeah. This is very different. He's very sleazy. I mean, he's, he, yeah, he's totally sleazy. That's nothing. He's, he's an insurance sleazy. salesman. What else do you want? Yeah. He's an uh, insurance salesman. Of, yes. Also, the screenplay is written by Billy Wilder and Raymond Chandler. And Raymond yes. Chandler. Yes. And, and adapted from a James Kane novel. James and James Kane novel. And they changed a lot of the dialogue. I was reading a little bit. Sleazy, sleazy pedigree of the highest order. This is not noir. What else is? No, but I think. this uh, what was i saying i forgot you guys continue sorry i forgot i will cut this out seriously <laughs> yeah i'll cut this out like what my forgetting i'll cut out not nothing else uh, okay uh, no no yes. not what i was talking about anyway so yeah. So oh yes, now, now I remember. Sorry, can I speak? Okay, 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 okay. No, no. Uh, there's one moment in this where, uh, where the Fred McMurray character basically says. Can you make it more snappy, like the dialogue, or like can you like <laughs> yes. just speak more snappily? Yes. And I was like, that's perfectly like an articulate way of saying how everyone in this film talks in a way is very snappy. It's very every dialogue has like that retort, like really sharp retort, which is like very witty, but it's mm. also like loaded with like all sorts. And again, this kind of plays into the dub, uh, the Hayes Code, and you know the limitations. Yeah, and yeah. it's like the sexual nature of the flirtation. Everything is being communicated via I mean, their quick I fire mean, banter or like whatever. Yeah, you yeah. I mean, I mean, let's. I mean, let's be. I mean, there is a line in which you know, uh, Walter Ness character says, "I loved her like a rabbit loves a rattlesnake." <laughs> I think Barbara Stanwyck's character was the most, you know, how do I say this? The most incomparable of them all because mm-hmm. 
this is a character who is going toe to toe with this sleazy insurance salesman yeah and it's like the audience is looking at them it's like a fire you know it's like mm-hmm. it's a somebody just lit a flame yeah oil is already split you, you just yeah. lit the match honeycomb and has been you're... spilled already or whatever that thing yeah, is yeah. they, they now, keep talking about the honeycomb in the film and yeah. and what and is now... with baby is that a reference to baby face barbara stanwick is played like the lead actor in the number of times walter says baby in this film you could literally no, no, that, uh, i think it's him i think it's endearment i think it's endearment no and your noir your noir protagonist always had some sort of takya kalam right ah okay okay sam spade also had a takya kalam going on <laughs> it was it's so good like i enjoyed it like the number of times you were saying baby i was like this is so good like just in also, the terms is, of yeah like i am going to like i am going to just uh, i am going to just uh, you know quote some of the dialogues here which is yes insane. yes i was about to say <laughs> the dialogues only i'm going to yes I yes so so it starts off like so it starts off like mr neff because phyllis that is barbara's hand we start to say okay mr neff why don't you drop by tomorrow evening about 8:30 he'll be in then and walter is saying who my husband you were anxious to talk to him weren't you yeah i was but i'm sort of getting over the idea if you know what i mean <laughs> now when you get this type of a dialogue yeah your instant reaction is okay that's yeah. pretty clever but yeah. she rolls with it she yeah, like, yeah. there's a speed limit in this state mr neff 45 miles an hour how fast was i going officer i'd say around 90 suppose you get down off your motorcycle and give me a ticket suppose i let you off with a warning this time suppose it doesn't take Suppose I have to whack you over the knuckles. Suppose I bust out crying and put my head in your shoulder. Suppose you try putting it on my husband's shoulder. That tears it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean it's it is really like enjoyable in that sense, but it it has that lurking. I mean, see, I guess my I was trying to decipher. I guess why I was slightly distanced, and maybe I was like. it's probably because it's so narration heavy like it is it has a lot i realized like i'd never clocked it before i know that a lot of noir does but like this has like it is very fatalistic from the beginning like we begin oh, at yeah. the end right uh and it's like you get yeah, yeah. the let's, you get go, a fl- let's go back yeah. let's let's go back let's go back yeah. let's go back kind of yeah. like that exactly so it's it's that fatalism and but i i feel sometimes the narration kind of has a blunting effect on the main performance if anything else but apart from that i mean the edward g robinson character and his relationship with neff i thought really shown through this time at least whenever when i mean I he's the straight he's the straight man right he's yeah. the person who is trying to he's the person who is trying it's interesting he's the person who is trying to help us help pull walter out and to a certain degree even the audience out yes of the you know him and attraction lola are, almost detrix yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. of yeah. the attraction we are getting from both of their chemistry as yeah. well as the ultimate danger we are facing because at the end of the day we are also being pulled in because the dialogues you heard mm-hmm. if you see it in the movie the impact mm-hmm. is greater because it's that fast yeah because we are not <laughs> yeah i mean we can't we are not, we are that. not that quick we are not that quick it's that fast and the chemistry yeah. is electric we are yeah. already drawn in we want to see what the hell is going to happen yeah Yeah, and yeah. Edward D. Robinson's character is the sensible one in the lot because he knows that shit is going to go down and it's going yeah. to go down bad. I just, in fact, made a note about like yeah. why we probably sympathize with Fred McMurray's character. Mm-hmm. I'll again go back to my first memory. This is the fourth Wilder film I watched, mm-hmm. and unlike what like the internet tells us about Fred McMurray, I had a bad inkling or bad introduction to Fred McMurray because I first my first meeting with him as an actor. 
is through the apartment in which he's the oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, best wilder film again. So uh, I don't disagree, except I've seen Double Indemnity, so I kind of disagree. But anyway. no, in Double Indemnity is again not even I think in my top five wilder oh. films. I really enjoy it. Yeah. But like of the ten, fifteen odd films I've watched of his, it's not. There. Again, I again I love the apartment. I I yeah. watched it very. Do not spoil it because I've not seen it. Oh, you've yeah. not seen it. Yeah. Oh, you've oh. not seen. Watch it. Yeah. So I I think. Uh, and also, I just I think the previous day what Sunset Boulevard. Oh, I've also is... not seen Sunset Boulevard, so don't. Wow, spoil it. that's that's like terrific. Listen, that's, my that's... I have my European and uh, art other art house priorities have taken over, but I will get to okay, it hundred percent. Okay, I mean Wilder is European. So oh yes, that's true. That but no, like classic Hollywood he's is. He's not a very American. He's not a very American. He's not actually. Uh, I know. He, I know. The, the yeah. Hangovers from his first film, which is Bad Seed. A film he co-directed with Alexander Esway mm-hmm. in 1934 in France. Funnily enough, not even in Germany. Mm. Yeah, is very very evident in like the rest of his work. Mm. So anyway, so I think the the Sunset Boulevard, Starlog 17 kind of hangover was still there when I watched mm-hmm. Double Indemnity. So mm. I really really enjoyed it, and I could relate it to a lot of the you know the stuff that I had played or. For instance, there's this game, the one I'm doing the paper on is called Elle Noir by Rockstar mm-hmm. and Team Bondi. Yeah. And they borrow heavily from like the classical. I love, I love that game. I love that game. It becomes I mean, a bit, it becomes yeah. a tad bit repetitive during a certain during certain scene, but yeah. I love that. <laughs> so yeah, so it's and I think that that sort of drew me to the genre actually mm-hmm. in a way, mm-hmm. and but there's some interesting things about why I was so keen on checking Double Indemnity's release date. Mm-hmm. Is because one while one can't doubt or one can't wonder why Wilder and Chandler wrote it in a certain way because there's a novel and all of that. Mm-hmm. I think the response to it uh, being the way it was was the war was essentially won. The film releases a month after the uh, Normandy yep. landings yeah, yeah. at uh, the beaches in France, mm-hmm. so there's now an upbeat mood. Mm-hmm. So that's why the comedy. That's why the comedy also. Is, I was about to say like, this feels very. This it's feels very, very uh, detached, almost yeah. from the war. Like it feels yeah, very much in a different also, world, existing in a different also, world. Also, because essentially, then you are not. If it had released, say, at a time when the war was going horribly wrong for the Allies, mm-hmm. uh, right before the American I mean, success. I mean, let's. I mean, let's be perfectly clear. Check Maltese Falcon or check Murder My Sweet. The yeah. cynicism, cynicism in those movies is very different from the cynicism in these. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, so what I feel is that here, then a character who's essentially a profiteer, mm-hmm. yes, is not looked upon as badly. Whereas profiteering, mm-hmm. otherwise by anybody in a time of war, is bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. War yeah. profiteering, of course, was a huge crime back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. As well. So which is why we are willing to now put up with this guy because we're like, oh, you know, the war is. Yeah. Okay. Also, I mean, by I, this time, I, I, I also by this time, I think yeah. also by this time because this is again an art form. Yeah, art is art is art had has always been political. Art has mm. always been sociological. Mm-hmm. So when a genre begins, it always begins as a response to an event, yes. as a response to mm-hmm. a politics of a different mm-hmm. state. But by the time the genre becomes a popular thing, by the time the genre is crystallized, it mm-hmm. moves beyond what is reason as a response of. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. It becomes so reliant on its tropes and everything yeah. else yeah. that it doesn't need to be a commentary on what it rose as a response. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what happened with double indemnity. It mm-hmm. rose as a response to the <laughs> Great Depression, the war, and right. everything else. Yeah. By the time it came out, war was already won. Already won. Yep. Yeah. So then it, the entire situation of the film changes. Yes. And, but I also feel that we would perhaps like the film as much even if it hadn't released after the Normandy landings, if it had mm-hmm. released before. Yeah. And the reason I have for this is because I really, really like Salag 17. Mm-hmm. which yeah. releases at a time when the red scare is going on mm-hmm. and billy wilder decides to create this unsympathetic prisoner of war character mm-hmm. and he grabs hold of one of the most popular faces william holder and says play the guy mm-hmm. <laughs> right and sure you've got preminger playing the evil nazi commandant of the camp and all that mm-hmm. but it's still a sense of hey hold on are you pointing fingers at our boys who are doing the hard fighting in korea i would i don't want to go too deep into it the mm-hmm. movie had movie i think as a protagonist problem honestly mm-hmm. but one of the key characters in it is an insurance investigator mm-hmm. this is just my thought but i think mm-hmm. it came as a response to double indemnity in a way because double oh, indemnity okay. kind of villainized the insurance investigator yeah. this is mm-hmm. kind of trying to reel him back Oh, okay. I don't think it, I don't think it kind I don't think it did it very successfully. But <laughs> okay. kind of is trying to reel him back. Kind okay. of is trying to give, yeah. give him more of a redemption. You know. Understood. I, I mean, this paints all of them really like. There's no one in this that comes across any like apart from Lola Dietrichson, the person who they kill, their his daughter, who's yeah. the sort of almost the most saintly figure, I suppose, out of all of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone else is just a scumbag of some sorts, right? Uh, I mean, I know Edward G. Robinson is slightly pushed as the, but he his attitude towards, uh, like his attitude is essentially to find out fraud when they have to pay their money out. So it's not like he's supposed to be this really. I mean, he's guy. a guy who's in business. You could just exactly. say he's an American capitalist. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's basically exactly. capitalism. Yeah. Capitalism. Yeah. Though I love the scene where he is up against. The higher up at the all risk insurance company. I thought that's a great <laughs> scene. His yeah. putting down of that guy who's at the top, yeah. and he's like, "You take the ball and run with it." And he's like, "You ran with it really well, didn't you?" You <laughs> ran with it really well, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. to and also to my mind, this is the sort of film that again you can talk about the femme fatale, like we were talking yes. about agency, possibly. Mm-hmm. But agency with women is a recurring theme in Billy Wilder's films at a time when mm. women were really—I mean, you had 
people like John Huston and John Ford making films and they didn't really have great regard for women mm-hmm. at least in their personal lives so for mm-hmm. it would, how much of it would then translate to their films Huston is pretty much another Lindbergh for that matter right mm-hmm. oh yeah that he is that he definitely is oh. I, i should tell you chinatown chinatown yes i was about to say playing himself <laughs> i thought he was playing I, the polanski standard yeah exactly that's what my reading of the film is poor i don't like chinatown for that reason is because polanski would pull the same yeah crime yeah. out of nowhere three years out later. of nowhere yeah yeah and it would just then spitball into an incident but hey i mean houston is great in that film Yes. He's just Houston is bloody memorable. Yep. Like, yep. So Houston is uh, so Houston is so memorable in that film. His grandson tried to play the same role in the 2022 Marlowe adaptation. Oh yeah. This is oh, your yeah. Marlowe. This is, grandson, your Marlowe thing, right? this is your Marlowe theory, right? This is your Marlowe intro. That's his son. Yeah, Danny. <laughs> Danny Houston is his son. Jack yeah. is the grandson. Yeah, Jack is the grandson. Danny Houston. Of course, over there yeah. you had to put 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 Marlowe in somewhere, right? Actually, That's again, I must go. Movie. I must lead with the trivia, trivia for some reason. Yes. Because Jamie Lee Curtis won her Oscar. I was again reminded of, for some reason, John Huston because she's been going around right the entire award season, calling herself a nepo baby and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was oh, just reminded of the great distinction that Jack John Huston has of directing a parent and a child of his two Oscar wins. Wow. I mean, I didn't know this Jamie Lee Curtis thing has been going on, but yeah, okay. she, I, oh yeah, she has been somewhere. calling herself as the Nepo baby who is actually good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, she is good. There's no doubt, but like, I mean, there's no doubt about it, but yeah, yeah. yeah no need to flog the fact ah, that your exactly. dad is Tony Curtis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. So these are very interesting mm-hmm. themes. Like Shirley MacLaine's character in the apartment, she is backed into a corner, right, mm-hmm. and she's. Not the thing about to... Billy Wilder, the thing about Billy Wilder is he's always going to make his women characters. At least my reading is out mm-hmm. of some of the movies I've seen, his women characters are very three-dimensional, very mm-hmm. complicated, but very strong. Yep. I mean, in, in this also, movie, like very strong. In yeah. Double indemnity. Yeah. There's that. Li- I mean, character. Yeah. But Phyllis in the end has that really like one line. Like I almost about like before she shoot like she shoots him once, Fred McMurray. Yeah. But after that, she's like. but before like this is the first time i've stopped after like that just yes. kind of pushes it like you know you have that I, until she's then like, she is very much that yeah. almost she's evil right driving, like she yeah she's driving the plot she's yeah, yeah. literally driving the plot yeah yeah i mean there's that really amazing moment i think when uh, fred kills uh, her husband and the camera just doesn't show it because of course it's a poor yeah. thing probably also it, yeah, yeah. and but but then it chooses to focus on her face and it's like almost oh, no. she gains the power and like she has like that really incredible yeah, yeah. change in expression at that moment i thought it was great so the Anyways, noir she, element yes, ahead, so yes, the noir, noir element in noir element in double indemnity basically it's more like you know again it opens with the voice over it opens yep. with the point of view oh i view i was about to say the opening with the voice over one of my favorite lines like i know it's opens so pulpy opens with the voice over opens with a cracking shot opens with a cracking yes. shot you know but it's such a pulpy bit of that where he's like i i murdered him because i wanted a for, for the money and for the uh, girl yes i killed and him I, got, i killed him for money uh, and yeah. the woman And I didn't and get I the did. money, and I didn't get the woman. Yes, yeah, exactly. And with like really like he takes a pause, and he's like, "And I didn't get the like." It's such a, a playful almost. Now it feels like because you know the tropes and all that. Yeah. Anyways, you were saying. No, what I was saying is it's more like you know how do you put this right? It's a crime told from the point of view of yep. again an insurance salesman. 
which is key. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Opens with the tracking shot, beautiful tracking shot. Yeah. Then it's the you know it's kind of like the the sexual chemistry, the psychosexual yeah. themes, the film fatale, all of it. Visually yeah, it very dark. Very, yeah, yeah, about to say. Visually very place, dark, yeah. very claustrophobic. Yeah. then there is also because double indemnity and double indemnity voiceover is a key thing mm-hmm. always always mm-hmm. voiceover has always been a very key thing which kind of also reminds me of another nasty little noir i had seen which drew had recommended yes me. i was out such a good film it's, it's such a nasty noir <laughs> it's like holy crap this is yeah. so good it is a it is detour yeah uh, 88 minute, 80 minute 81 minutes or something i think 81 minutes yeah yeah if i'm not wrong it might have been 70 let me yeah it might be 70 minutes also which i'm like come on like that's that's 68. that's my speed 60 68 minutes 68 minutes that's my it just about qualifies as a feature just exactly about. yes yeah and that's what that's why right. i brought detour up why yeah. i brought detour up because detour is the prime example of a b movie noir yeah Now, a b movie noir is an independent independently made film noir and mm-hmm. before i get into that just a quick heads up on what an a movie and a b movie is mm-hmm. <laughs> an a movie is a studio bankrolled big feature movie yeah. which people used to go pay tickets for that is mm-hmm. what you paid the big bucks for a b movie is an independently made feature film yeah. which used to come after the a movie which mm-hmm. people in the late night circuit after the movie has ended if they want to stay uh, if they want to stay they mm-hmm. can watch the b movie the mm-hmm. b movie usually used to be a far more pulpier film mm-hmm. they used to be made on the cheap more again, explicit in violence it's probably and like yeah. yeah it's film stock it's film stock yeah. it's film reels they did not have time you can't waste too much film stock so you need to make everything very quick you need to bollywood should have fast. that rule kota, i think were these the same films that were called the kota quickies were they no i think those were the sure. serials those were the serials sir No, those were the serials. I'm pretty certain they were the serials. Then I think those were the quickies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. almost like what the British would do at mm-hmm. Ealing with the comedies later. Exactly. On. Yeah, yeah. The mm-hmm. Ealing comedies were the same, same, same thing. thing. Again, Lady Killers, great film. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not the Coen's ones, right? Not the no, Coen's. That's ones. a terrible film. <laughs> Not the Coen's. Quite film. sad. I've not seen movie. a single bad Coen's film, but I need to. I've clearly not seen that. And intolerable killer. cruelty. You need to. Watch. Not seen either. Then yes, yeah. So, yeah. anyways, yes. So the B movie thing. So the B movie thing. Why I'm bringing it up? Mm-hmm. It feels like a B movie. Oh yeah, it does. No, but it's got it's, real artistry, in, huh? Like the way it's cut. No, and no, like, no, sure, no. Yeah. Why I'm bringing the B movie thing up because. Mm-hmm. You, we need to understand why the runtime is low. The runtime yeah, is low yeah. because these people really needed to hit all the tropes really quick. Mm-hmm. Because the guys who were watching the movie weren't going to sit, sit on this, yes. sit on their asses for a very long time. They will need to go mm-hmm. home to their families. Yeah. They, so because, they basically like hit. now, like what have what what happens with every movie now? And no one wants yeah. to sit and watch a movie, right? Yeah. 
whatever that's your opinion <laughs> my point being that people need to people need to return home quickly so you yes. need you need to create movies which are fast quick which delivers the goods very easily mm-hmm. so the screenplay needs to be that quick mm-hmm. and within that because it's quick and because it doesn't have studio oversight mm-hmm. and everything else they were allowed to push the envelope a tad bit more mm-hmm. most of the time always mm-hmm. so and because these are independent movies most of them most of these are guerrilla shot and also mm-hmm. very interesting all these real life location shot, no sets and yes, all that yes. so yes see, and also these movies most of these movies which have been done independently most of these movies have been done by rko production rko mm-hmm. rko that shut down rko that shut down yeah yes it's kind of it kind of reminds you of in japan the nikatsu nikatsu films Amazing, Wells Wells probably bankrupted them with his overruns on Citizen Kane. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised at all. Fine, Wells 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 will be talked sometime. Actually, I really want to watch a lot of the work he's done. Right? Wells, that's Wells, evil, right? Wells, Wells, yeah, I was going right? to bring that up. Wait, I, I was about to say. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah give me a minute. I'll bring that. Up. I thought you so, transitioned nicely when you mentioned Japan. I was like, no, I'll I will, no, no, I will finish, no, no, I will no, no, I will finish the American part quickly and then I'm done. Okay, fine. So it's like. No, because Detour Detour brings a characteristic of this B movie noirs, mm-hmm. which people should check out because those are very yeah. quick, those are very fast, but those are very violent and those are very, very, very well made. Yeah, so it'll satiate the, everyone's desires now, also like violent, quick, fast. But they short. are very well made. That's the biggest but thing. Everybody's on the hunt for prestige today. They wouldn't make these films for that reason. Yeah, prestige. What are they making? That doesn't matter. But but. Different, but there are different definitions of prestige nowadays, right? That's that's another thing here. Also. Yeah, classically, you would call I suppose Abbas Mastan a B movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but they got A listers to work with them. That's the only difference. Yeah, exactly. That's the only that's, the, that's the joy of it in some senses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. reason why Rana Naidu is still being watched by a lot of people. Just so, <laughs> it's probably <laughs> not even B movie. <laughs> yeah. So. No, but I'm bringing up Detour because Detour is nasty. Detour. Yeah. You thought Barbara Stanwyck's Femme Fatale was dark? Oh Detour's yeah. Femme Fatale was darker. Oh God. She's a piece of work. Let's she's a piece that. of work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's a piece of work, and the yeah. and the voiceover, the voiceover is fantastic. I thought the voiceover in something like that was more sort of I don't know suited it more I guess for me at least. Yeah, the voiceover yeah. worked. The voiceover yeah. work. The voiceover work yeah. to fill in the blank spaces, however little there were. Because there is little, right? You're just moving through stuff very, very yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah. They're right? moving just through stuff. There is runtime issues. Everything works. Yeah. So in that regard, yeah. Yeah. So detour is that now. The forties used to hit. We get out of the past. We get the postman always rings twice. Mm-hmm. We get all of these detective movies, detective and the femme fatale relationship and everything. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, when it comes to the fifties. things become far more dangerous because mm-hmm. the war is over now five years have mm-hmm. passed the war is over now people are becoming even more jaded if that was even mm-hmm. possible because now the response has come mm-hmm. yeah now the people have become even more jaded so you get a robert aldrich movie like a 1955 kiss me deadly which mm-hmm. is basically a extremely corrupt and sleazy detective mm-hmm. trying to investigate the murder of a woman Mm-hmm. He goes on investigating. He gets into a MacGuffin. The MacGuffin. I'm going to spoil this movie because my spoiling it doesn't Pulp matter fiction. at all. My spoiling it doesn't matter at all. Yeah, all fiction, obviously. My spoiling it doesn't matter because people need to see this movie. 
Kissy Deadly ends with the detective finding that the MacGuffin is an atomic bomb. Wow. Mm. Yeah. That is like one of the darkest jokes ever. Yeah. No, I mean, and, but it's, and, uh, it's fueled by cynicism, like again, like cynicism and, and over. And again, again, and again, by the 50s, by the 50s, people stopped paying attention to the private detective being the protagonist. Now it hmm. becomes that normal people get involved. Mania, so, so, no, just a bit like crazy also. Like just, they're Not just other, psychotic. Professions come into other professions come into play now because yeah. the cynicism is now exploding more and more because war has stopped. People are now getting more and more involved. So, we are so odd, right? Like great. it's always. I think. Uh, sorry, Varun. Go ahead. Yeah, I think a great example of this is actually Wilder's film again, Ace in the Hole, which uses journalists. I was bringing that up. Yeah, right. journalist, journalist, Ace in the Hole. Again, he's nightcrawler. And he's, he's translated. Nightcrawler. We were talking about yeah. 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 nightcrawler double feature. With yes, Ace, Ace in the Hole. Yeah. Ace in the Hole. Anti advertisement for journalists. I remember that scene in Ace in the Hole. Uh, yeah. For a brief in- initiation, uh, Varun, Ace in the Hole, what was the entire story? Uh, small uh, town? Small, small uh, so, no, so this big, supposedly big shot reporter gets fired from his job. He moves yes. to a smaller mm. town. Yes. And over there, he goes on the hunt for a story, essentially. And mm. stumbles yes. upon one when a man, I think, gets stuck in a, a, a coal mine, I think. I think in the, not a coal mine. I think it's a mountain of some kind. America okay. calls anything a mountain. It's some mine, though. I mean, and they're doing some work. He's there, doing right? some digging. Some excavation yeah. of some kind is happening. Mm-hmm. Mm. He's doing some digging and the thing collapses and he's then stuck. stuck and this yeah. guy realizes, oh damn, I've got a story on my hands. Yeah. yeah. But his story hinges upon keeping this guy inside, inside for the longest. Yes. Inside for as long as possible. Yeah. Mm. The complete opposite of yes. what you would actually do. <laughs> yes. No morality, and basically. Played, and it's played by and it's played by one of Kirk the Douglas. biggest yeah. one yeah. of the biggest heroes of Hollywood. Yes. Kirk yeah. Douglas. So yeah. you can understand. Noir now becomes mainstream because mainstream. bigger, bigger actors are now getting into. But it. wouldn't you say that with if Bogey was already doing noir with Maldives? But Bogey, but Bogey basically became popular by doing noirs, right? Other bigger okay. actors were Fair getting enough. in. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Other bigger actors started getting in. Come on, fucking Wells got in. <laughs> he got in. He got in twenty years late, but he got. In. He got in, and he got in, and he opened it by that masterful tracking shot. Holy crap! In touch. It's a long take, right? That's the entire long take. Yeah. It's it's extremely. Watch it. I think it's been referenced so much now. Even Scorsese has referenced it a couple of times, right? In this film. Yeah. No, t- touch of evil is also present. I think uh, in. Uh, all of these 50s films somehow ended up mm. in Bombay Velvet in some way or the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy. Amazing. Like, Bombay Velvet oh, again. Yeah. No, it's it's a neo noir issue. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I mean it's Kashyap, I mean it's Kashyap's love letter to classic right. noir. Classic noir. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the fifties fifties became far more of a much more jaded time if that even was mm-hmm. possible. That fifty to fifty nine was other professions are getting in. Stories were becoming darker. Stories were using black comedy. Mm-hmm. The violence also was getting tad bit more explicit. Because I think the code was also waning out, right? The code was also slowly waning out. So that, mm. so that and no, violence was normalized by now. Right? Mm. Yes. So many servicemen who had come back from the yeah. war. Exactly. Because it didn't really matter anymore. It's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like what happened after Vietnam. It's a Viet- mm. Except the Vietnam yeah. war was far worse. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened here. Mm. No yeah. atomic bomb there. I mean no atomic bomb there, but 
but how the soldiers were treated because yeah. Vietnam yeah. was basically proxy you were take, war, right? you get taxi driver the first i mean one of the quintessential yeah. whatever anyways which yes. again which again was inspired by another inspired by another noir which was again directed by hitchcock you said so much smoke in m i mean that opening shot of taxi yeah. driver it like But oh, it's oh New York God. only, huh? It's still New York is like. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like the smoke yeah, yeah, yeah. can be there all the time. And yes. I, I was, I was taxi driver after I got Joker, so I had to check which film I was watching. Yeah. Oh, oh my God, that's such a. Of course, there's a Joker joke. Of course, there's a Joker joke. Oh God. Anyways, moving on. Should I know? So now the yes. final, now the final uh, choice, which. Uh, we both decided on uh, was how noir affected other countries mm-hmm. and how other countries ka context began to seep in yes because we we had disc- we had brought up an example on carol reed's the third man which mm-hmm. explored war in vienna vienna, mm-hmm. vienna. Mm-hmm. also has orson welles joseph yeah. cotton yes citizen yeah. kane mm-hmm. citizen kane citizen kane the reunion more or less yeah mm-hmm. another fantastic movie and now we and that was an example of british noir mm-hmm. noir also got a bit of a resurgence in france in yeah, french noir as usual and, uh, of course yeah of mm-hmm. course and i think kind of one of the primary reasons was because jules dassin's emigration from us to france yeah. where he brought that noir sensibilities with him Yeah, it's hilarious that it's called noir in America. <laughs> it's because it's, these guys coined it, no? Uh, the Cahiers yeah. do, Cinema dudes, yeah. the French New Wave guys, whatever. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's not talk about them. There's yeah, a whole new yeah, discussion. yeah. Let's not. Let's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had Bombay noir, Bombay noir, which was more or less, you know, inaugurated by Gurudath mm-hmm. in Bazi, nineteen forty-one, Devanand, fifty-one. Fifty-one, yeah. right? 51. Oh yeah, of course it's fifty-one. Mm. How could it be forty-one? Yeah, yeah. of course yeah. it's fifty-one. Post-independence, everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course it's fifty-one. So, mm-hmm. Bazi, then Howrah Bridge, CID, CID, Jewel Thief, Jewel Thief mm-hmm. all of these is Bombay noir mm-hmm. because that that was the primary example of the mutability of a genre which was so mm-hmm. American in its approach. Yeah, but the cynic, which finally defined that noir became a style. And yep. that style, I think, got the biggest impact in Japan, mm-hmm. and it was done by one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, just when he was starting out. In yep. 1948, he did Drunken Angel, which was a pretty Have you seen good, it? no, which was no. a pretty good noir apparently. Mm-hmm. You see, but in 1949, I think he did one of the best noirs ever until he mm-hmm. topped himself. It, I think high and low is a top. Yeah, it does. I yeah, for me at least it does top it. Yeah, it topped himself yeah. in '63's High and Low, but Stray yeah. Dog is damn good. This time, Drew, open it. Open it. Go oh wow! On. Why do I get yeah. the pleasure? Anyways, I'm. Because I'm not you just saw it. Because <laughs> you just saw enough. it. No, 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 I, I. It was great. Like I think uh, this was my first watch of it, and I've seen my fair. Not, no, actually, I've not seen much Kurosawa, but I've seen some, some of it. 
but to me it was very much i think this strikes as it ticks a lot of the sort of post war noir uh, boxes in the sense that again it's about the cops and the robber the two sides of the same coin almost if you want to take a modern day example of it something like we've been we've been bringing up kashyap a lot but like raman rag of 2.0 if it exactly. was just yeah. sinker if it was just centered on the our main protagonist and one of the minor issues i have and i feel i'm alone in this because i was going through a lot of reviews after watching it and seeing what people thought about it i think a lot of people appreciate the film more when it's a detective procedural uh, like when it becomes a cop two cops mm-hmm. solving a case drama where it becomes about mifune who's a protagonist toshiro mifune uh, and uh, shimamura right? he's very good in this yeah. i think toshiro uh, mifune but uh, shimamura who's the older cop and it's almost mm. if you have seen david fincher's seven before this it is very much a sense of older person younger older jaded cop and the younger o- older jaded cop. cop younger cop sort of the younger cop is sort of more cynical more affected by war by a generation which is just come out what of is, war yeah sorry, what is interesting here are the cultural context because the movie yes. opens correct me if i'm wrong is mm-hmm. movie opens with a gun being stolen yes a gun gets so stolen gun be, in the first sequence the yes. gun gets stolen that is yeah. one of the bigger that, his gun gets stolen, stolen. toshiro uh, uh, mifune's yeah. gun gets stolen and and then he, if the whole whole plot is sort of like him trying to find out who like not find out who has taken it that's i think solved who about halfway through uh, halfway and then yeah. it's like chasing the guy and find trying to find him where where this person is actually located so i think again whatever you have said about this he's a post war protagonist he is lost the stray dog in the title is applies not just to literal mm. stray dogs which are like their the opening titles have him uh, has a mm. sorry uh, extreme close up of a uh, stray dog which is a very evocative imagery uh, evocative it's, it's image it's a very evocative yeah, yeah yeah and then it's, it's basically it's so evocative it's so evocative that apparently aspc yes. actually yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they actually you know accused kurosawa of infecting the dog with rabies yes 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 it was very i was reading it and i was like okay that's very interesting whatever but but then it's a lot to do with uh, him being the stray dog him being lost in a country which feels both organized and disorganized like at the same time which is what fascinated me the most Post-war. Post-war. yeah like it, like the organize there's such a a methodical way in which the gun is being passed around after being pickpocketed yes. across these very like you know regimented almost sections but it feels fully in chaos he feels so lost in that place there's this extraordinary i think and this is going to be my lasting memory the of the film the yeah this is going to be my lasting memory of the film is the 10 minute montage beauty, it's such a beautiful where he's montage. just lost in the city trying to roam around and sort of you know he's it's lost like, in the train he's lost in the station he's walking through the city the yes. montage of cases yeah it's like it changes people. into a city symphony I'm like the, what is this like have we gone to like a like a tokyo like we we are just exploring the place almost and it's shot in a way where you see it superimposed with his face and it's really evocative and i thought it was yeah. fantastic that sequence especially and i think my my minor quibble it's not a major because i think the film really plays at this angle of the the robber being the same person as the uh, rookie cop in the sense that both of them are post war 
uh, symptomatic al- almost of the sort of post-war condition and they are, yes. are approaching it in very different ways. So I think that's that sort of noirish element is there. Then the city squalor, of course, everything sort of, you know, urban setting going into sort of areas which are dark and dingy and, you know, mm. there's no proper housing and everything. And that, that sort of, and the femme fatale, in fact, is almost a minor element, but not yeah. that much. Uh, there's the, introduces very late on, but I don't think that's a major play here. I think the no, main I think, is I think the cops like, and robbers. Yeah, yeah it's uh, more like the yeah. cops and robbers, and I think to to a certain degree, I think the film fatale of it is more like the lamentation of a city. Yes, it's, it's that emotional core, the lamentation of the city which is working here. I yeah. think it's more more of a noir on the technical side of it. I think that is one mm-hmm. of the reasons why Kurosawa himself did not like the movie that much because he felt it was too technical. But yeah, which again. It's weird because I think it's overwritten in some places. Yeah, and I, yeah, in fact, I baffles, think so. Which again baffles me. I'm like, if this is what you think your weakest movie is? <laughs> God, I think he liked but, it later on. I was reading. Like, he was like more appreciative of it in his autobiography or something. Whatever. Yeah, Doesn't matter. Whatever. But Varun, you also yeah. just watched it, right? The first time. I just watched it, yeah. Yeah. What did yeah, you think? Your first Kurosawa. Yeah, first Kurosawa. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to obviously watching more. But a uh, yeah. couple of first impressions I had were, uh, again, I am, look, I've grown up entirely in this country. My second language is Hindi, so I've watched a lot of Hindi films. Mm-hmm. The, the, because he's on the uh, on public transport in the opening sequence, yes. I was somehow reminded of Dibakar Banerjee's Vyamkesh Bakshi. Mm-hmm. That uh, the credits roll over a tram uh, tram sequence in Calcutta. I wouldn't I be surprised. I wouldn't, mm, wouldn't be surprised if And it just made me think of, uh, you know, how we keep talking about noir being an everyman concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but in the West, the everyman is still in possession of a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the car is pivotal to double indemnity. Yes. The car is pivotal to the game we were talking about, LNOR, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the East. The car and especially it's a luxury is a luxury, and especially yeah. in the time period the the mm. film is set in. Yeah. So he's using public transportation. Like yeah. Yeah. So I was like, God damn, man, that that's really a great that's, way of placing that's cultural, con- that's mm-hmm. cultural context. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it was, it plays out. I feel like all these older films, you know, the chase sequence always plays out as a comedy yes. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. It's because you know the camera works very differently at that mm-hmm. time. And, you know, I I don't think they were hand cranked anymore. But mm-hmm. even so, I mean, you know, you get the feel that these guys are just because you look at those larger uh, uh, or rather the, the there wasn't any the, concept. Yeah, there wasn't any concept of any stylized. stylized yeah. Like like nowadays people say it's so stylized, you know, slow motion. Yeah. There wasn't mm-hmm. any concept of. No. That. And that's what it gives it its legs, right? You, you yeah, maybe yeah. just put a camera on a pickup truck and you just shot it. Yeah, it feels rudimentary. I feel yeah, it, like very it, it also basic, then the, which is good because the I crime mean. because the crime itself is so rudimentary. Yeah, yeah. right. Stealing somebody's pistol. Yeah, and, it's rudimentary. And, it's rudimentary, but it's also pretty. How do I say this? It's also pretty anti-administration because you are yeah, no. So that. That's sort of what I'm coming to, yeah. which is that the older cops don't take it so seriously that yeah, he's they don't take it lost so his weapon. Yeah. He's a post-war guy. Now, mm-hmm. this is a presumption because the uh, film does not uh, state it explicitly, or at least I didn't find that it stated it explicitly. My assumption is he's 
an ex serviceman mm-hmm. he served in the emperor's army at some point mm-hmm. yeah. and in the armed forces losing your weapon is a massive massive problem mm-hmm. you can Yeah, you yeah, are, yeah, you are not, yeah, you are not wrong. Yeah, you are not wrong. Right? Right? I made the same assumption. I made the same assumption. Yeah, so we should... I think it's very much... Yeah, it's very much implied, I think. Yeah, and so he is... And because in any society like Japan post-war, Yeah exactly and a pistol in the hands of any random tom dick or harry yeah. can be a problem for that yeah. specific reason mm-hmm. which is what drew me to the film mm-hmm. i think and uh it's it, the way he just does away with certain conventions is very interesting he does away with mm-hmm. the femme fatale you know mm-hmm. he gives us that one token shot of you know show girls dancing or whatever yeah. mm-hmm. but it's so interestingly uh a person who's not uh, initiated in history would probably won't appreciate stray dog as much because mm-hmm. the baseball game means something in 4 mm-hmm. years the americans have taught the japanese that hey what have you been playing all these years exactly here mm-hmm. watch us i think the team is also called giants yeah right yeah but yeah. it's a baseball league teams in america new york new york giants new york, new york giants, giants. Right? Yeah. Mm. i was worried whether it was giants or jets i don't know <laughs> so jets be इंडिया Yeah, India is a country with very much musical approach, right? Mm-hmm. So even if you are putting something like a noir, like say mm-hmm. a Howrah, like say a Howrah Bridge movie or whatever, mm-hmm. you had to put a Mera Naam Chin Chin Chu Chin Chin Chu yeah. Chin Chin Chu. You, you could put, put a song song. in this also somewhere. Like if if you if you transpose yeah, this, the showgirls would have been done. Yeah, exactly. The show, yeah, yeah, yeah but then again, yeah, but then again, it's not as if you know the showgirl ka dance scene was going to be integral to the plot or was going yeah. to be distracting. It was just one yeah. second ka shot and then they will pass. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, in in Stray Dog, yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's my whole point. Like if it is in India, you have to devote yes. a certain or you have to make the scene around it. So you have to like or, or you have to make the scene around. Like that yeah. would be the like actual. filmmaker i think like productive but i'll still go on i'll still go on limits you know fine that's our format so we're going to no no, no, no i'm not we're predicting it it's basically a met- differential method yeah. yeah i'm going to break this down very honestly in saying that hmm. in japan he does away with the film pattern entirely because right. that's not important and that is mm-hmm. why i think this street dog itself proves that noir wasn't a genre anymore by this mm. point noir became a style style yeah pessimism ambivalence it's pessimism. almost it's ambivalence. darkness it's cynicism yeah. it's cynicism yeah. also it's culturally and the japanese a little like us that they are more yes. conservative about women so it would have been a problem for him to show femme fatale There is, I think, but there is one femme fatale, like sort of femme fatale, but not like it's just not a major character. Like I, think, I mean, but, they were, I mean, they were, I mean, they were pretty conservative, considering the fact that during the sixties, 
they literally wanted to make it as non conservative as possible so seijun suzuki oh, yes. basically started directing tokyo drifter and all that stuff let's so not like, go into pink films and whatever oh, yeah. let's not yes we have no, covered them before uh, one yes. before so, <laughs> yes <watching it> <laughs> let's not go there <laughs> yeah it's also very um, like you said the squalor in mm-hmm. abject it's more, poverty yeah the abject poverty it's sort of actually reminded me of patan panjali for that reason that you know i can understand uh, you that, see those right. shacks the faces the faces of this no yeah, the faces yeah. sure but like the shacks i thought yeah, yeah, yeah. of yeah, yeah. more immediately that right? uh, that's like completely and i think there's and the dog uh, and the dog is yeah. well the dog is such a big presence in bangladesh i mean i, I think it's sorry if i'm pronouncing it no, wrong but no no no, no. I, i think it's, it's more to do with whatever uh, don't worry it doesn't make oh we pronounce amartya's name wrong also so it's fine yeah, yeah. no but uh, i was about to say like i, I was there uncompleted houses like you know i think there's yeah. a dialogue in the film which where shimamura's character says that my house is like this but you know the other guy's house isn't even like a house or whatever yeah. and i think in fact i was imagining throughout the moments with shimamura what this film would be if he wasn't even there in the film i almost mm-hmm. think i would like that film more in a sense just because i like the sort of subjectivity total you know almost he's that it it enhances the two sides of the coin more almost mm-hmm. like uh the antagonist and protagonist being both lost but finding their own way through it i think the pr- climax is post climax is traumatic post yeah exactly and i think the climax yeah. before the sort of and i'm like akira kurosawa probably took a note from hollywood he is called almost in the ending and may, and softening the blow almost i think there's a perfect shot where this ends and i feel he goes on for one more shot which is i mean if i'm not mistaken yeah. and i haven't seen this movie i think yeah. he takes inspiration from a jones das and yes. no article the naked yeah. city i think which i've not yeah, seen yeah the naked city yeah i've not seen um, but this movie reminded me of a movie which came much later uh, because the movie is so hot and sweaty and that mm. is in the oh, heat yes. of the night yes yes yeah i was about to say uh, i it, it day, is yeah. a bloody sweaty film uh, like it, everyone film. is it's the heat wave like you kind of he really makes you feel the the palpable sort of you know the sweat Even kind of also makes you feel like it is suffering from the like the aftermath of the atomic mm. detonation Mm-hmm. people are still suffering as if the heat yeah, wave yeah. is kind of affecting yeah. them even now i mean now. you'll see and it's weird when you see this and and it, and when it rains it like thunders and like yeah. it has like that really and then you'll see this in rashomon also because it 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 carries over into that you know, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah another like two 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 more things that i at least was reminded of mm-hmm. the heat for instance i was reminded of chanada yes i can oh, yeah. right because yeah, yeah, yeah. he is in those suits and you almost feel like the white suit white linen suit in there so yeah you should yeah, feeling so hard just wear a yeah. wear shirt sleeves and you know a trouser yeah. and also because the film the plot revolves around water yes right? yeah. that's the but then again chinatown yes. yeah. yeah but then again chinatown is new noir i think new noir mm-hmm. i think Definitely. one of the yeah i think one of the primary markers of a new noir is or uh, you know dead giveaway to all the tropes of the noirs a dead giveaway right. not a subtle giveaway it's mm-hmm. more or less a dead giveaway so mm-hmm. i think the white suits being completely you know dampened on with sweat and everything is mm-hmm. kind of like polanski's way of saying yeah i know 
this is yeah, but that out of placeness at least in stray dog also feels very purposeful like him wearing a white suit he doesn't belong suit. right in any case he doesn't belong in it right yeah. because so, yeah. it's again it's american it's, culture it's the whole stray dog yeah this. and stray dog and rabbit dog or mad dog is the contradiction that's yeah. being made here so i mean that's yeah. very and, much here uh, i think what, what was the other thing i was reminded of yeah i was reminded of uh, bicycle thieves Uh-huh. Uh, especially in that one one shot where there's very little development mm-hmm. uh, on the street, mm-hmm. but it's all pakka. Whatever has been built is pakka housing mm-hmm. or concrete buildings. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And there is so many such shots of half built or half destroyed buildings. Yeah, Rome, but not of Rome as you imagine it. Not they will have been they will have been been put at a sandstone. Yes, yes. Because because yeah. because the because the impact of the event is yeah. still reverberating mm-hmm. so many years, four yeah. years later. It's four just four years. years. Four it's years. just four yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a similar time is the time frame for bicycle thieves also. 40, yeah, yeah. Fifty, fifty one. I think. Forty-eight bicycle. Forty-eight bicycle thieves. Forty years. Bicycle thieves are forty. Yeah. Totally different approaches, by the way. I think, like in terms of. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the way yeah, is there that's more it. that's more neorealist neorealist that's yeah. the quintessential neorealist film i think right that's the marker of whatever and it, the fact is that it's neorealism neorealism stretches beyond the film in that the actors didn't find impeccability yes just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it's like ha wo to i mean i'm i'm a i'm i guess i'm less just less interested in neorealism i don't know why uh, as a as a movement but you like bresson he's not neorealist he is like he pushes he more like in that right? direction he pushes even more like in that he's uh, like statue <laughs> like yeah. he, like the characters are statues they're not like no wonder uh, uncle paul loves uh, him so much yeah, no I mean, uh, yeah, whatever <laughs> it'll be great if he keeps calling him uncle paul and one day they bump into each other on the streets of new york <laughs> yeah who me or oh, no. i i saw him talking uh, when after master gardener uh, and i was okay. like full oh, uncle yeah, he's become movie, huh? su- that movie is supposed to come out yeah Yes, yes. Fifty. Yeah, it's come like his new it's film. New it's his third, his third film. in the trilogy of God's Lonely Man. The okay. new God. I mean, first reformed so is the, the great previous one, one was uh, Card Counter. Was Card Counter Oscar Isaac. Yes. Yes. Pretty yeah. good movie, by the way. I don't know. I think very good. Yeah, I like that movie. Very I think very good. Uh, and Master Gardener, not very good. Anyways, is that it? I think we covered it, Fairbus. Right. I think we covered it pretty yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I mean, I am also saying this because my battery is running out for my laptop. So I think that's it for this episode. Anything it, more to unless, add? Guys? Yeah, I think we can give. I think if people want recommendations, I think it's too much at this point. Ha! Huh, no, no. We it's listen honestly. If this episode does well, I am more than happy to do a second part and like explore. Maybe we'll go to the seventies, right? Yeah. Uh, Neo noir. Yeah. Uh, we'll not discuss taxi driver, huh? By the way, we we that movie has been discussed today. I'm not. That's already I'm not neo noir. I mean, in a sense, yeah, that yeah. it goes too much into the psychological drama space. Huh. So we'll we'll discuss. Be, I might be more open to discussing some of the fifties American noirs. Huh. We can look at. We can see our selection. Maybe France also. Like we've not looked at like oh, yeah, Jules Dassin. We'll maybe look at Indian noir also sometimes. Rififi, La Samurai, all that stuff. Yeah. John Pierre Neville. Let's As go. As for jungle, As for jungle is very good. Ah. Very good movie. The very killing, good. Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick's first film. We've not discussed film. any Kubrick actually. Maybe that's a good option. We can maybe just focus on fifties noir because we didn't cover it now, right? So yeah. 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 
maybe maybe that's like Kubrick is another fantastic i've heard it's very very good right that's the only kubrick i've not seen actually no i've not seen uh, lolita and others also it's very good the killing is isn't reservoir good. dogs based partially on the killing reservoir dogs is based partially on the killing and partially on ringo lamb's trial by tracking yeah, yeah, yeah. No. that that so it's based, not based oh yeah i'm being polite oh like yes. like taken from i saw this dvd let me be the sanjay gupta please <laughs> oh, please don't yes i was about to say don't compare sanjay gupta but, no but because because you guys mentioned rajasen right rajasen's tweet uh, a couple of years ago tarantino decided to do like a, a something at new beverly in la yeah. and kanti was one of the films he selected tarantino loves kanti oh ah, i know yeah. i know He's mad guy yeah, yeah. Uh, someday, someday, Park Chan Wook will also come and like uh, Zinda, right? Sanjay Gupta Zinda. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. I will never forgive the, him or that movie for ruining Old Boy for me. So. Do you forgive Stan Lee? No, Stan, huh? Sorry, Spike Lee. Spike Lee. Spike I haven't seen Spike. his movie. No, so I'm safe. I haven't I, seen. I watched either. Zinda before Old Boy. That's my problem. Just a mop of FIFA. No, no, my Sanjay Gupta animosity is strong. I don't like. I don't like people copying, and I don't like people, whatever. Defending from copying, either. Yeah, I mean, official copying is fine, but then this was firstly unofficial, and I didn't watch the original, so I'm very annoyed that I watched. I already knew the bloody twist, and I was like, "Screw you, man." I mean, uh, there is a movie which came out this year, 2023, called Iratta, Malayalam movie. I thought you were going to say Kutte, <laughs> but okay. No. anyways Thank you so much for listening. I hope you had a great time listening to this episode. We had great fun. I mean, I had great fun preparing for it and recording it. So, I'm too still, many. I'm still technically preparing for it only because yeah, but that's you gave yourself the assignment, so no sympathies. And uh, yeah. no, and hopefully we'll return for more because we want. We've already want planned a noir it. western. document like so much we've planned i swear to god i need to sort out my historical fiction i mean there's so much we've planned but none of oh, it's sort of oh and also now. if you thought, oh and also if you thought noir was geeky wait till you listen to the western episode ah you yes, amartya will handle that also so if you want to follow him and get more of his opinions about this and the rest of stuff that's going on right and not now, get tired f- and and if you're not too tired already yeah. yes <laughs> you can follow at amartya25 right Yes, Instagram. Yes, I got it correctly. And uh, Varun, you have to. Put on my letterbox, honestly. And letterbox, we'll plug at the bottom, yes. which is the same handle, or what? It's just Amartya. Yeah. Okay, Amartya. Okay. okay. And Varun, you will have to plug your own because I have forgotten yeah. the exact thing. So, uh, Cinephile stock on Instagram because yes. that's where I write about film. And, and you are also starting yes. a newsletter, which I have subscribed to. So I'm going to tell yes. people. Yes. It's called Dispatches from a Dark Room. That's a great name, by the uh, way. Thank you. Yeah. Am I already subscribed to it? Let me check. Let me yeah. Check. Yeah. I need to get cracking on that second volume. Ah, uh, it's fine. You cannot like. I know you write like long form, which I appreciate, but I also know that is takes a lot it of time. It takes so. time. Oh, the first newsletter was five thousand words. My father sent me a message. He's like, "Why is this five thousand words? <laughs> I can't read so much." Send Break it up. No. 